Welcome to the Clutch Burners Podcast, your home for stick shift drag racing, stick shift tech, stick shift knowledge. And tonight we have some pretty good looking stick shift folks. I mean, besides me and Rich, of course. Rich Guido is a guy over there with two orange helmets in the picture and a black Pontiac GTO that runs eights and drives, I don't know, 15,000 miles a year. And over there is Bill Armstrong, the creator of the Bankshift Billy, and also a car that runs just, just a little bit quicker than mine. Just a little bit. <laughs> it is quicker? Right now. And, and with us tonight, we have, uh, we have two fantastic guests. I've been super excited about this. We have Tess, who uh, is Miss Midnight Maverick on YouTube. And then we have, well, let me, I'm just going to read a quote from um, uh, this guy's name is Entropy156. And I don't know if you've read this or not, Tony, but I, I had to read it. So this is his quote uh, watching your, I'm actually not sure which, which video it was, but anyways, I'll read it. It says, I just saw the gray mare up close today. It is insane how not radical that car is. I mean, seriously, that's a stock block with no filler and it's doing this. What is though, is it's optimized to a level most people can't even imagine. It is dialed on a microscopic scale. It is a car honed to a surgical edge being driven by a great driver with balls of titanium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read that and I thought, uh, I don't know how you introduce Tony any other way than that. But I thought that was that was a pretty cool uh yeah, that guy should write a book or something, man. That was that was a uh, he, cool. He has a very good way of expressing uh, his opinion and thought process. He's a good guy. He's really good at words. He, yes. Yeah. He he has something to say about everything, and everything he says sounds so perfectly thought out, but he just blurts it out. Yeah. He's actually a friend. We met him at a car show out here a while ago, um, and we've like met him up for dinner and done that. He's got um, Pinto. Pinto with a stick shift in it. Yeah. Woo! We met him at a. Here, well, he so. can't be. He can't be all bad. I mean, if start first of all, it's Ford. That's a win. <laughs> Second, it's a stick shift. That's a win. I mean, yeah, yeah that's sweet. Yeah, and it's Ford powered. Oh, even better. And you know, the LS really is a small block Ford copy motor, right? You know that. Yeah, yeah. So it's just it's flattering when all those LSs go fast because it's because of the Ford engineering. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to own to it yet, but it's exactly what happened. That's right. That's right. That's right. So it's for with like a few more years of technology. So yeah, fifteen right. degree cylinder helps that motor out a lot. That's why it lasts over five hundred horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they then they come out with the Godzilla, which is an even more refined version, right? I'm excited to. Yeah. Get into well, yeah, we'll get into all that as as we talk this evening about Godzillas and Cody's and stick Oh, I'm excited even more. This is good stuff. All so, right, so so tell us, tell us about what you're sitting in front of the gray mare. These videos, I just I just want to listen. Oh, there there it is, right there. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, tell us how long have you had that car now? It's been like ten years. Um. Uh, yeah, about ten. I'm I'm old, so I, I forget the timelines. But about ten years. Uh, my buddy, if you don't know him, his name is Lunchbox. He actually yep. owned the car. He bought it off one of 
near closer to the original owners of the car and it it was light back then it was always been like a street race car and he bought it and then we decided to put my a drivetrain i had in it with his chassis and we started making it better and better and um he then sold it the car to me because he buys and sells a lot of stuff and i just couldn't have that car uh go away without i just i had an attachment to it before this is before the wheelies this is before the car was really that popular we were street racing it locally here a lot and uh it it was doing really well and then like i said he sold it and i just started going full uh retard on it and made it to what it is now and what and, is local uh, where are you guys located um antelope valley in, in california so we're at southern california about oh, nice two hours two and a half hours north of the Mex mexico border so san diego two hours, two and a half hours. safe to say you do all your racing in mexico street racing of course well, yeah. Yeah, we're, so yeah we we're really close to where it actually goes down so <laughs> but uh just three honks away <laughs> yeah the the car actually had a 306 in it in the beginning a 306 with a set of like dart aluminum heads mm -hmm. and 48 gears and it just it ran pretty good and then we built a 331 for it that was like 11 and a half to one and that was in it for a long time and then that's when she came in to the picture with me and then she sabotaged it and then the, the block broke. <laughs> I didn't sabotage it. You let your friend drive it and it said, no, nobody's going to drive yeah. it besides you. So and it broke. Every single pass that you we're, we're a pretty close group of friends. We've driven each other's cars. We help each other out. Except this car. This is, this car is, I'm the only one that's ever driven it. It's pretty because it's wild to drive, I guess. And I've always wanted my friend Brian, who's a stick shift guy too. Uh, he has a stick shift car. I said, you got to drive this car. It's, it's just gnarly. And he's like, okay. So I finally got to the point where he was at my house and we did some stuff. And then he takes around the block and he goes to this mash it and the car just shuts off. And couldn't figure out why and then towed it back to the house. Um, fix some stuff on it to like try and get it to start started up. Had no oil pressure, and the block was cracked. It was had oil pressure before it left the house. Never went into RPM at all. Just he flat footed it. It stalled and it was broke. It's wow. an honest to god. The cambering fell out of it. Oh so, uh, it's just weird. And then she went to go try and drive it later on to with the automatic and I. I know it's sacrilege, but it, you know, everybody knows it has automatic in it now. And she went to go drive it and it shut off on her. Hmm. And she broke it too. Me every time. So she did, she did in fact break it once. Yeah. I didn't break it. I was just there. I didn't, I didn't it. it has my motor in it right yeah, now. It won't even let me drive it. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It, it's uh, it is honest to truth like she it we're at the track i break the stock short block record in it and then i'm like here here's go go drive it now you're lighter than me it should go and it like blubbered it didn't do and then it shut off we had to tow it back huh. and i uh, was in a trailer a couple of days and we're out doing something i'm like i'm gonna go check on it. i go on a trailer starts right up and it idles fine for me <laughs> huh. and, and so 
it's an automatic. Do you have a Turbo 400 in it now? No, it's a. Uh, you might want to explain this. So this is the first stuff. It just has a stock short block motor in it, the one we broke the record with, and mm -hmm. it has a C four. So it's not anything special. It's just very basic. It's what I built for my car ten years ago, and kind of fixed up along the way. And we were trying to break the record with my car, but my car like 500 pounds heavier than this car. Mm -hmm. So I figured we'd make it easier on ourselves and just throw it in there. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's basic. It's. But yeah. I, I will have to say that I had a C4 in my car for a long time before I put a stick shift in it. And I do like the C4. It's a nice, for an automatic, I mean, come on. Yeah, but it's a it's, nice, nice little transmission. It, it works good in this combo because it doesn't make that much power and three gears getting down the track keeps the motor in RPM. It helps it live because uh, this motor has, what would it make, 24 pounds of boost? So it's a stock short block, crank, stock crank rods, pistons, uh, lifter, stock dampener, no filler, no gurgle. And uh, it's just got a, a trick flow stage one cam with a triple 170 head, a pro charger. So you broke so, up a little bit there. Um, pro charger, like and you said it went 540? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's we, funny. You no, know, this car was a street race car, you know, almost 10 years. And no, we never took it to the track. I'm saying, I always said I'm never taking it to the track. But after the stick shift thing and street racing it that way. And uh, we kind of didn't really street race it for a while, but, oh, I broke the trans. Um, after that picture that you see with her in the car, uh, yeah. it was hard It was hard to get it in the first gear. It was, uh, talk about the trans, it's a, it was a TKO 600 face plated, second, third, and fourth, and fifth gear removed. Yep. yep. But first was synchronized and it was hard just to get it in the first. Like it started getting harder and harder. So I'm like, I'll just pull it out. So I pulled it out and third gear was broke. Not first, first was fine. And uh, all the dog teeth were, were broke. There was like seven of them and four of them were gone. There was only three left that were mm. engaging the actual gear. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'll just fix it. And then everybody, well, and my friends, you need to put an automatic in that car or we need to be more serious. And I'm like, I don't really want to put an auto, like, and so I kind of like focused my attention with her car, like the Maverick, and we started messing with that. So the car just sat for a couple of years. With the trans out of it and the motor just sitting in it as like an engine stand, and it just sat for a few years. And <laughs> just, we have so many cars, and I was, like I said, I was focused with her, and street racing changed. Cars got a lot faster. So having an NA stick shift car really wasn't, uh, there wasn't a fitting for it. And um, I didn't want it to lose its, reputation because it won so many races and it had this iconic you know wheelies and this and that i didn't want to like put an automatic in it and go street race again with the same combo it, it didn't it didn't wasn't appealing to me i didn't want to ruin the the car that way and then i was like well we could break this it was actually her idea she's like let's put my motor in that car and let's go try and do something with it it'll have an automatic but at least if it does something there's a goal and yeah. it Within three passes, I believe three or three passes at the same outing, it broke the record. So the rec the record was, what was it? A when this motor and trans was in my car, the record was five 
584. Yeah. And I didn't realize it, but we'd gone 589 in my car. And I looked up what the record was because I figured that was pretty fast. And then I saw that it was 584 and I was like, okay, we're going to get this. And the next week, uh, Mark Miller broke it and he went to 564. And I was like, okay, that's that's not going to happen with this car. We need, we need something a little lighter or a lot lighter. And she was already planning on putting a, doing a bunch of upgrades to her car, aftermarket block, bigger blower. We, it was turning into a more serious car. So then we took the motor that was in it, took it out and then did a bunch of work and it, it, it happened. And for, I can't believe it happened. It was about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago. It was last January. Yeah. January 30th. So or... when you say light, what does that car weigh with you in it? So I weighed it with, with before we put the blower on it, I weighed it with the motor and trans that's in it, no blower. And without me in it, because we didn't know if she was going to drive it or I was going to drive it at the time. So I just wanted a base of what it weighed. The car is all steel, except for the hood is carbon. The deck lid is steel, uh, factory windows, except for the side windows. And it weighed 1,994 pounds on the scales. Running, driving. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's but, uh, yeah. It's full of gas. And that was with a nitrous bottle in it, a five-pound bottle. So sub 2,000 pounds with no driver. Yeah. Under, that is under ridiculous. I, I, yeah, I can get a little bit lighter, too. There's things that aren't aren't titanium and some other stuff on it. Oh, you already have since then, because you still had all the plastics in the rear. Yeah, but there's a blower. It. It. Well, the yeah, blow there's a blower on it now. But The blower added, when I broke the record, it was me driving, and I'm two, at the time, I was like 265. So what I have now. So it's the same. Yeah, you're like 265. I'm like 265 now, now so 265. <laughs> and the, the blower weighs like 70 pounds. The 70, about 75 pounds of blower and piping and stuff. And we actually had another 45 pounds on the front end to get it to not wheelie. Mm. So I'm pretty darn sure because she's over 100 pounds lighter than me. That's That was the goal was for her to drive it. And then um, and she didn't feel comfortable driving it because it's, it's a little, even though it's only going 550s, 540s, it's, it's kind of wild in her. Um, so I just did it. But yeah, it's it's pretty light. So let's let's say two thousand pounds even, and plus seventy five and me, so three, so like twenty three and some change with me in it oh with the blower, God. and I made that pass. Oh my God. About the same as my GTO. Yeah, yeah. about yeah. the same. But, so this car is half the man as your car, basically. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Let's. So, I want to. I want to back you up a little. Um, uh, I want to pick your brain, like, um, you know, what I'm doing with my car and what Bill's trying to do with his car as well is, you know, we're doing a whole bunch of clutch management stuff. But what I really respect about what you were doing back in the day is, and and I was doing it for a little while, but it's it's a huge challenge with a heavy car or a light car, is you had to have your tire pressure optimized, your launch RPM optimized, um, your I mean, everything in that thing must have been you. You must have had that thing totally figured out in order to get that thing to leave. It was, I think, and I don't know if you can agree with this or not, but that if the car is so light, it becomes more erratic when you have 
a light car to get it motivated well, you have gear in it and it's got a motor that makes no torque you know the 331 it, you know i shifted at 84 8600 and it had 456s and 430s in it we'd switch back on a 28 inch tall tire but uh we tested a lot we had weight in the back uh basically with 50 60 pounds over the rear tire the car would scale like 52 percent on the rear tire 52 53 uh, but it was very erratic. It would never do the same thing twice. Uh, we would go out and test it. It would go left. It would go right. It would do a wheelie. It would then it would drive out and and then on race day it would just go right down the street. Like I don't understand how it happened. <laughs> it was, it's honest. It, all my friends would say the same thing. Like why do we even test it? Like we went out one night and we did a three car shootout with. The mayor, when it was a stick shift, at its fastest point with the new motor and everything, uh, Tess was out there with us. And then my friend Brian, and he has a twin turbo automatic car. And then my buddy uh, Kelly with a twin tur or the single turbo GT, all, all fast cars. And we did a three-car shootout. And I'm out there testing before, and it, it went off into the dirt. And then another pass, it just did stood up on the bumper and slammed down. And I'm just, like, getting frustrated with it because I'm, like, for years, it's just erratic and I'm just trying to get a handle on everything. And so we decided to do this three car shootout. So they race first and Kelly loses, Brian wins. And then I guess they're in a huddle after I, I learned this after the race, they're in a huddle going, man, don't, you need to be easy on Tony, man. Cause he's, he's really frustrated. He's going to like drive that car off a cliff or something. If he doesn't, <laughs> you know, get it together. Like, so just go easy on them. And so it was my turn to race them. So I'm like, I move weight around. I like change. I up the tire pressure. I like did my burnout off like the marks of where it was really sticky. And I put a hurting on them. I went, it went right down the street. Every time <laughs> the car next to it, it goes right down when it's testing or whatever. It's like, it's just like for fun. Like it's just, it doesn't care. But when there's a car next to it, it's like perfect. It went perfectly straight down the road. It was crazy. Wow. It, yeah, that, that's, that is pretty crazy because, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the amount of video that I watched where you're cleaning people's clocks is like, yeah, it looked like you had that thing. And even your strategy and um, everything that you guys had where you would go for a true street race, only race once, don't do anything to the car when you get there. Yeah, I was listening to a bunch of those videos. That was, it, it, it sounded like you guys had quite a crew. How many people were part of the AV boys? So at one point in time, it was 12, 12 of us. And we're all really good friends. We're, we were all on the racing, especially a decade ago. We all still talk now just not as much because life and kids and marriage and some people move. But uh, at that time, there was 12 of us. When we go down to race in Compton and the Valley, there was, we, superstitious, we would sit in the truck in the same positions None of us would even talk when we got down there. Lunch, lunchbox did all the talking to uh, negotiate the race. I got the car ready. No one touched the car except me. No one checked the tire pressure except me. It was only me that did that. Kelly, um, the one that I was telling you with the black GT, he was the only one that ever backed me up. Uh, two guys on either side of the car holding it all the times in a burnout. One person would always pour the like. It was it was like. A machine and we had a a way of doing things 
And that's what we stuck by every time. No one, there was nobody ever like yelling at somebody. No, 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 don't back up too far. There was nothing. There was, it was like clockwork every time. And it was a system that always worked and it, it worked for a long time. Besides the fact that every time we tested, it was total piece of crap, you know. <laughs> now, but on race day, it would always show up. And what does AV boys stand for? I just think like audio visual. Yeah, a lot. Of... <laughs> so, uh, AV boys came from. We live in Antelope Valley, so we live in a town. What? So Lancaster, Palmdale is considered Antelope yeah, Valley. Lancaster, Palmdale, Roseman. Yeah. Just the the. All the little tiny towns that are in our area, they're Antelope Valley as a whole. Antelope okay. Valley as a whole. So we'd go down, I mean, we, we were street racing. And so there's, I'll get into this too, but there's a whole other stick shift car that I street raced in 04, 05. That went mid to high tens. Uh, but that's where it started with that car. In 04, 05, they used to, we used to go down to the valley and we raced a lot. And they would always say, oh, the Palmdale boys are coming up. Uh, then it turned into the, all the Navy boys are coming up and, you know, you can't pick your own name. So we just ran right. with it and just stuck with it. And that's, that's how it is. So it's, it's Antelope Valley is our area. Okay. So, okay. Awesome. Not audiovisual, Bill. No. no. <laughs> right. So, so I'm curious since, since Rich and I, like your car is like half the weight of ours. Um, what, what kind of tactics have you done to, to drop the weight on those. And I, I know a Fox body's light to begin with, but clearly they're not 1900 pounds light. Yeah. There's so when you, when I've been getting a lot of messages of like, how did you make the car so light? And what did you do? And this, this thing has a lot of go arounds. Like I would do one session of going around it, you know, taking things out, doing this. And it's, it's a purpose built car. It's not a street car. I mean, we can drive it, you know, a couple miles and here and there, which we do. Uh, but it's not, I don't consider it a street car. So it's a purpose built, it's a tool. It's a tool wrapped in a Mustang shell. And this tool is to go from A to B as fast as it can with the power plant it, it, it's got. So um, just going over things like why have a five gallon fuel cell when one gallon will do it better? Um, why have a 35 pound battery when a eight pound battery can do it? It has all the front suspension is held on with titanium bolts and it's got a chrome LK member. Um, all the battery cable is aluminum in it. Uh, it's oh. got a carbon fiber front nose cover that looks stock. Um, it's got a carbon fiber seat, the seat's held in with carbon, uh, titanium bolts. Um, just anything it doesn't need, it's, it's off the car. It's so it doesn't have any carpet, doesn't have a headliner, it it doesn't have roll up windows. So, so how much how much weight do you think all the titanium hardware actually saves over steel or stainless? So if you want my honest opinion, don't put titanium on a car if you have a center console. Don't put titanium unless you like the way the bolt looks, because titanium <laughs> hardware is gorgeous. Uh I would titanium on everything if it wasn't so expensive but it's pretty expensive stuff but you usually lose about half you take off eight pounds with the bolts and you put back on four with titanium so this car i would say only probably saved another 10 to 15 pounds with bolts but 10 to 15 pounds on top yeah. of everything else that you do you know if your car is already 
if you have a five gallon fuel cell and you can save 25 pounds by putting a one cell, one gallon, do that before you buy bolts. Like there's no reason to do, you know, you minimize the stuff you're doing. Well, not to mention you probably save 15 pounds of wallet weight going with the titanium, right? Yeah. So it's very expensive. Like I started going crazy on her Maverick. Uh, it had her, her Maverick actually had more titanium than this car did. Oh, wow. titanium intake bolts, titanium bell housing bolts, front suspension bolts, uh, had spindle mount wheels. It had, what else? Oh, tit- all the Caltrack bars were titanium okay. bolts. Lug nuts were titanium. Uh, the anti-roll bar was held in with titanium bolts. Wow. Uh, so when I talk Caltrack bolts, you're talking those, a three-quarter bolt. Giant, yeah, those giant ones, yeah. All titanium on her car. Wow, wow. Titanium lug nuts. So her car probably saved a little bit more and it just looked gorgeous and it's a conversation piece. So sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's aluminum blood nuts on this and um, the battery mount is all aluminum. I made my own aluminum studs. Uh, so the battery box, there's a holder that goes down and I got half uh, three stock aluminum and I threaded it at both ends. So that's the actual bolt or stud and then it's got titanium bolts that hold it in so the nice. battery and the mountainous nice. thing weigh like nine and a half pounds nice so so tess he's done a lot of talking <laughs> yeah. i'm used to it it's okay I'm <laughs> no it's fan. good it's good okay. um so tell us you guys are coming to rocky mountain race week yeah which, which car are you bring in hopefully it's a stick shift i'm entering the stick shift class in my maverick my streetcar maverick nice um, so tell us about that. I'm just kind of now getting into stick shift racing. I've I've been racing for I don't know, 12 years now and I've never raced a stick shift before and I have a newfound respect for people that do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been through what now? Three clutches. Uh, uh trans a rear end. Uh I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot now that I'm listing it, but it feels like a lot when we're under the car on jack stands, <laughs> like monthly. Yeah. <laughs> trying to fix yeah. It. Um, it, why, why the street class and not the stick class? Oh, she said stick class. Yeah, stick class in my street car. Oh, got it. Okay. Make sure my ears are cleaned out. And tell, tell us about your Maverick, uh, the other one, though, first. Um, oh, I, I, that was when I met you guys actually was at Vegas on that unfortunate day but uh, um, how how long did you have that car and uh, I know that it was a no time car and it was in the fours I think it was a pretty fast car so I actually had that car since 2012 um, it, I mean it wasn't much in 2012 it was probably like an 11 second little street car that I would street race and people would underestimate me because I'm a girl and it was just this ugly Maverick and it's a 73. So at the time it had this huge like park bench bumper on the front of it and it just <laughs> had the paint was falling off of it and it looked absolutely terrible and nobody thought I could go anything faster than 13. So I would race a bunch of the slow guys in town and that's perfect. This guy. <laughs> Did you beat him when you raced him? No, I refused to race any of them because I knew their reputation. They didn't they didn't agree to any race that they would lose. I don't know how they knew absolutely <laughs> everything about every car that ever existed, but they 
had everybody's combinations down and they knew exactly how fast everybody was. And I knew if they agreed to race me, that meant they knew they were faster than me. Oh, okay. <laughs> it would have to be a catastrophic failure for us to lose race at that point. And that doesn't happen to you guys. So yeah, oh, I was nice. that thing and then kind of started shipping every race that I won. I would just put the money back into it. Um, I actually sold my daily that I had at the time to buy a blower for the car. And then I put the blower on and I broke my trans and then I had no car to drive. <laughs> I made really bad decisions back then, but no, no, those um, sound like excellent decisions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. Was, so, yeah, so talk about, decisions. yeah, the street racing. So how much, like what's the most money you guys have won or lost on a street race? Uh, I was a poor young lady back then. So the most I did was probably like $1,500, but you've raced for like tens of thousands of dollars. I think, I think it was 13 or 14 at the track. There was a grudge race for 14 that I drove another car, but that wasn't mine. I was the hired guy, but that was 14,000. And then on the street with this car, I think it was 13,000 total. So 6,500 aside. Wow. Not a lot. Back then, that's a, a lot. I mean, it's still a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But back then, 10 years ago, it was a lot of money. But now it's like people grudge race for thirty and 40000 Um, But at the time, it was. I mean, we were just some local guys racing for a bunch of money. And it's not just like three people putting in. There's people that our crew would put in first, what they wanted, and whatever was left, we would. There's always people I wanted to bet on the car because it had a good reputation for winning. So. so so talk about like I mean obviously you guys are way into cars and racing. What is like what's your day job? What do you do? Uh my dad started a, a floor covering store. So floor covering meaning carpet, vinyl, tile, hardwood, anything to do with floors back in the seventies. Yep. And then that's all I've ever known. Uh, I have two brothers that work for him at the time they don't now but so he's had this uh floor covering store forever and i learned to trade and then now he's older he's 86 which we just kind of like he just comes in in the morning and does things so i was running it and i needed someone more help in the store so she quit her other job that she had and came to work for us and it allows uh self-employed has its good and bad things you know the good thing is, is we can make our own schedule, leave when we want, as long as there's things getting done. That's how yeah. we're able to leave and go racing as much as we can because there's no time. You don't have to put in time off. You know, you just do well, your thing. You have to schedule everything. You have to schedule in advance. Yeah, but we're able to do what we do. I mean, how many – we went to how many events last year when you were doing your thing? We went to 30 events last year, 30 nice. race wow. events. Wow. And, and the majority of those were out of the state. That's fantastic. Uh, Probably 20 of them were as far as Texas or further. Yeah, we, we definitely go. That's why we wanted to do the race week thing because it's like it's something different. We love grudge racing. We love street racing. Uh, we've been to Ducks races. You know, we like that kind of event. But one thing we haven't been a part of is a drag week. And we've been wanting to do it. We've been trying to figure out which one would suit us and what car we would take. And then she's like, we're doing it with my car. And then we, once we make a decision on something, we're like, okay, let's, 
let's go towards that. Give us give us the lowdown on that thing a little bit. It's a Maverick, 73 Maverick. It is a 1969 and a half Maverick. Oh, different one. Okay. Um, yes. I had known of this car for a while before I bought it. I wanted to buy it, but the person that owned it wanted a little too much for it. Um, but I always wanted a 69 and a half Maverick. Exactly. I don't know why. It, the only cool part about it is the keys in the dash. Everything else about it sucks because the trans tunnel is smaller. So you have to like cut so much out of it to fit the TKX that's in it now. And it's just like, there's a lot of painful things that come with a 69 and a half, but it has a key in the dash and it's 69 and a half and it's first year of the Maverick. And it, so I'm um, the weird things that I wanted. Um, and Rich, isn't your key in the dash? Mine is, yeah. Mine's oh. actually right behind my roll bar. That's true. And <laughs> mine's in the dash. So welcome to the Dash Key Club. Yeah. The, so there was a law in 1970 that was passed that said you needed a locking column so you couldn't have a key in the dash anymore, which is why the 69 and a half, well, there's no such thing as a 69 Maverick, but they call it a 69 and a half because it was built before that law and it mm. still has the key in the dash. Interesting. So. That's the only thing that kind of differs it between 70 built Mavericks and 69 built Mavericks. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, that's honestly, Tess, that's one thing that, that uh, I really appreciate about you is you're so hands-on and you're uh, you're always under the car and Tony's usually just harassing you. But uh, I love the fact yeah. that you, uh, you work on your car. You're very knowledgeable about, I mean, I, I didn't know the key in the dash thing. That was, I just thought that was, yeah, it was cool from 65, but uh <laughs> Yeah, so that's pretty <laughs> yeah, 60s cars are cooler because of the key in the dash. That's it. <laughs> Truth, yes. And, uh, and what motor will be in it? So the motor that I bought the car with was a 347 built by the previous owner. I don't know a whole lot about what what's in it. We took it apart, looked at things, made sure it was good. We degreed the cam to see if we could put a bigger cam in it, which we, we did end up changing. Um. The heads, I think someone said that they might be some old, like 190cc China heads, but I can't find any markings on them and I I don't recognize anything on them. So it's just, it's a mildly built 347 stock block, um, probably about 10 to one, nothing special at all, but I'm stealing the gray mare motor and we're... Oh building that and we're probably it was like 14 it was 14.76 to one when it was in the mare oh perfect yeah. pump gas motor yeah yeah pump gas motor. yeah we're gonna put it on 87 for the drive and then yeah. put it on 91 for the race oh, <laughs> oh yeah boy that's crazy uh, but we're gonna put some heads on it that have a bigger chamber so we're gonna lower the compression to like 12 12 and a half to one um and that's that's what it's gonna have when we do race week. I'm really excited. So the the gray mare motor, but different heads, possibly different cam, but just the the block crank rods and pistons. Short uh, block, yeah. So yeah, the short block. Basically. Nice, nice, and it'll be NA, right? Yeah. I mean, you should blow, put a blower on it with twelve and a half to one and pump gas. Don't tempt us. I've actually done that before, and it was real snappy. <laughs> it was really fast on smaller blowers it works but when you start putting more boost to it it doesn't like it so much yeah yeah we tried a lot of we've tried a lot of things over the years uh, before fuel injection technology was good or 
fuel injection injectors were bigger, but that's a whole other story. But so this one will be carbureted though. It'll be carbureted. Uh, it'll still have the same TKX as long as I keep it together by that time. Nice. Um, They're pretty uh, stock TKX. Sorry. Uh yeah, just regular out of the box TKX. Nice. Threw it in there. Yeah. It sounds like Tony um, has done the same as Bill. I think I got five broken cases underneath my uh, deck of oh. TKO 600s. Um, so, yeah, broke a lot. Of, but I think the TKXs are, I think they're substantially stronger and shifted a much higher RPM. So I don't think you'll have any problems with that, with that combo. What clutch are you going to run? Uh, the same clutch is in it. So it's a, it's an ACT organic single disc. Uh, <clears throat> It now has a 3,200-pound pressure plate. I started off with 2,400 pounds. It did not <laughs> did not last very long. We went to 28 and now 32. So, Are you guys managing that clutch in any way for the launch? Hi, RPO. <laughs> nope. Okay. Just... I like how you're both like this, shaking your heads. <laughs> oh, <same time. laughs> So Tony has a weird way of teaching someone how to drive a stick shift, um, and it involves barely any information, um, lots of pressure to do well, <laughs> and um, I'm also not allowed to have a tack, not allowed to have a shift light, not allowed to have a line lock, not allowed to have a, uh, a two-step. Two At first. I'm allowed to have my hands and feet and my ears. <laughs> that's it well nice. i now okay that was like the first couple months that he just wanted me to learn the car without having any information guides or anything well learn learn how to do a burnout without a line lock learn how to stage the car without things aiding you learn the rpm and note of the rpm and the motor just learn it learn it soaking it because if you have things doing it for you I feel that you rely on those things a lot. So if you learn the car and you just get comfortable with how the RPM is, like her black car had a power glide, air shifter. Uh, it shipped, you know, obviously it shifted itself and the car just, you know, you're, you're letting off a trans brake and you're going and it makes, you know, close to 2000 horsepower. So it's adrenaline and stuff's going on, but you're, you're focusing on different things. With the stick shift car, I think that, there's three gears that you could screw up on and that's all you that's all you there's that's the person driving the car is doing it and i think the better you are with that system the better driver you can be if you can drive a stick shift car you can drive anything that's that's just it i, I believe because you you're in touch with the car now since she's uh more familiar with the car and, and everything and everything like that we have attack in it now and a shift light. And it's funny because the first time we took the car out with the shift light, at, that's at 7,000 RPM. She was, I was looking at her because I was just noticing stuff, but she was getting ready to shift. I can see her arm and the shift light came on. Like she was already there. So without that knowledge of listening to the car and knowing things, she wouldn't have that. And um, it's hard at first, but I think that's, that's just my way. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it's the way I learned. So it it's funny because I think that's the way I learned too. Like I, I there's so much stuff that I have now <clears throat> that I didn't start with. And you know, clutch control and a slipper clutch and all that stuff. 
I mean, I was pretty consistent. Like when I won uh, the drag weight shootout, I mean, I, I think I went 985 to 981 um, on every pass. And there, and uh, yeah, I didn't have a whole bunch of the stuff that I have now. But you get to know, yeah, you get to you get to know the car. The shift light, I I still don't really even use a shift light. Like I just I just I, I'll watch the tack, yeah, and try to keep an eye on the road. But uh, yeah, shift lights never seem to work very well for me because I always miss them or something. Well, I would agree. You were already a a veteran stick shift driver, so the most she'd ever done done with her car was just drive it around town and cruise it. And now she's like, I'm going to race it. So how do we, how, how do we do this? And I'm hard on her with it. Probably harder than I should be, but I just want, like, I just want it there. You know, like I know she can do it because I, I seen her perform in her black car. I've seen how she understands things. And so I, I expect it. And, but she's very good. She's a lot better uh, now than, I mean, she couldn't even dump the clutch and do a burnout before. And now I'm going to stop you there. He gives me no information <laughs> at all. So the first time we go to the track, he says, bring the RPM up and dump the clutch. And I go, okay. And this is, I have my helmet on. I am the <laughs> next car in the water box. And he just says, and I'm like, wait, I don't know how to do a burnout in a stick shift car. Like, run me through it real quick. Yeah, bring the RPM, dump the clutch. That's it. You're good. You got this. So <laughs> I pull into the water box and I'm like, I have no tack, but like, I don't know, bring the RPM up to like, you know, what sounds like 3,500, 4,000 RPM. I know now that that was absolutely wrong, but he should have <laughs> said, rev the crap out of it and dump the clutch and you'll do, but so I didn't rev it high enough. I dumped the clutch. It lugged the motor down. I, that first clutch gone. <laughs> so. Well, it was a good learning though. Hey, Tony. Yeah. Yeah, well, I knew going into this thing that it's she's going to break transmissions. There's a chance she's going to break U-joints. There's a chance that uh, clutches are a given. Like, it's going to go through clutches. It's a consumable, and, yeah. And uh, on, obviously, 2,400 pounds of base wasn't enough. I was just kind of going off of – because ACT will make us anything, and they work with us really well, and they work with me on the mare. Uh, the mare had a – specific type of clutch in it because I had to have a a clutch that left hard enough, but I didn't want it a lot of clamp going down the street because there's no rubber out there when we race. So it it was just different. It was learning it, it still was a learning experience to put a clutch in it. But now plus drivability of the car with you know not a lot of pressure on their foot when she's pushing it in and so we just kept on upping it, and now it's at thirty-two hundred, and it's stiffer. But it's she says it's easier to drive, but it's stiffer, so it's it's good. That's awesome. And what gear? Did, what what gear did you attempt to do your first burnout in? First, second, first, 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 first? Yeah. yeah. I do burnouts in second gear now, and I rev it up to more like too much. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say we had uh, Tom Stark on here. Do you know Tom and Blaine with that fifty-five Chevy? You'll meet him at race week if you don't. Oh, yeah. okay. So this is a, it's almost been nines. It's like ten oh oh one. Yeah, it's four thousand like pound fifty five Chevy four door wagon with an LS, 
I think he sprays 350 shot coming out of the hole and then adds another 200. He does burnouts in fourth gear. It's nuts. Like 7,000 RPM dumps the clutch and it's just like freaking John Force burnout. It's just nuts. You could tell every time he's up there at at race week, you could tell because it's like, oh, Yep, there's Tom doing a burnout, and right through the yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's like, awesome. It is yeah. awesome. Yeah, you'll meet him for sure. I I'm gonna bump her up to third, third gear. You're like, cause water water burnouts at the track, they're easier to get going than a street burnout with VHT like <laughs> or a compound. It's it, the road holds the car better. So second gear on the street, and I think third gear would be would be okay at the track. And uh, it, the motor just doesn't make a whole lot of torque, so it's hard on it. But I think she'll be able yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah. I know what awesome. the TK is. I, I think that's where I was breaking some, was doing a third-gear burnout. So I, I moved back down to a second-gear burnout, but I have a little bit more torque. A little yeah, bit more. The, the cases don't like that third gear. <laughs> no. They no. don't like it at all. And the TKXs are supposed to help with that because they have a, a billet plate in between, yeah. I don't know, it's a it's a, a half inch aluminum plate in between the tail shaft and the in the case. That's yeah. supposed to keep it from twisting. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that's what, it's a nice piece. It is what Tom Stark runs. He's got one of the first face plated TKXs, um, and that yeah, he's been running that thing, and it's like yeah, it's I think it's four thousand or forty one hundred pounds. Like it's it might be a little heavier than my car. And he beats the heck out of that thing, and uh, it survives. So you guys, yeah. you guys should be yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. I think we're, we're I'm not we're as rowdy with it as this guy is. So yeah, she's pretty gentle on it. But and uh, what's the yeah. what's what's the rear gear? We just put four thirties in it. It had four tens in it, um, but it was bogging a little off the line. So I put four thirties, and it seems to help a lot. The last time we took it out was terrible, but that's not the car's fault. It's my fault. Yeah, and then I think. Fifth gear, if I'm not mistaken, is a 0.68 like it was in the T56, depending which version you get. Is that right? Yeah, there was I think four options. There's a 280, the the 287 first is a different. There's a, yeah. a couple yeah. of different options. Then you can get a three 327 first that has a different fifth gear. And I wanted a 287 because the 287 would was in my uh, TKO 600 when I had it in America, and I thought that that was a good first gear ratio so yep uh what with that so i you i think you're right i think it's a point point six point oh six point six eight somewhere yeah. in there yeah i think that's right i think it'll yeah. be for drag week yeah it'll be it'll be perfect yeah you'll like that do you um you don't have a tps hooked up or you haven't rigged up a tps in oh, the car no, yeah. the, no, not tps we have a well the the carburetor on it has a TPS spot for, for anything we want to do as oh. far as like, uh, two steps and stuff if we want to do something like that. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was amazed when I put fuel injection on my car how shitty of a driver I was. <laughs> <laughs> like if I was using the clutch, um, especially when I went to a turbo and had so much power, I would just about never go back to full throttle. But the car was pulling so hard. I don't know. It took me a long time to go Put your foot to the floor, man. So <laughs> it, I, it, it's interesting. Um, probably will be for you to us, like going from an automatic car where you never your foot doesn't leave the floor until you're done. Um, and are you are you lifting your uh, gas foot when you're shifting right now? 
Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. So once you get better and don't do that, um, that'll help. But man, it, uh, I don't know, something about, and and maybe it's because the car makes so much horsepower, but it was crazy how often that I'm like going through the traps at 70% throttle or something stupid like that. I don't lie. (laughs) The data doesn't lie. That's right. That's right. A TPS is definitely key on a stick car to train the driver that you might think you're going full throttle, but, you know, it depends on how fast the car is, too. I mean, I think with a slower car, you're trying to push your foot through the floor. Um, A car as heavy as mine and with as much power, it's like, oh, my God, this thing's pulling like crazy. Um, But it would be interesting to have a TPS on there and just just then Tony could give you some more positive feedback. Yeah. Why'd you lift? Get back in there. <laughs> I do not need a TPS. We don't need, we don't need to do that. <laughs> I do need to figure the the pedals in the car are not so it it wasn't an original stick car. So the person that I bought it from, he put um he put the clutch pedal in it, but he put it so close to the brake pedal that he had to cut half of the brake pedal off in order to still have them both in there. So while I was learning and we were out on the street trying to do burnout, my foot would get caught under the brake pedal so often, or it would just like get caught up in there. So I need to move things around to try and make it a little easier. And then the gas pedal is so far to the right that my foot is half on the trans tunnel, like pushing Mm. down on it. So it's, it's not ideal, but it's working for now. But I think, before race week, we're going to get under there and see what we can change and, and see what we can optimize. Nice. And you guys are planning to tow a trailer? Yes. Tony nice. didn't want to. Tony wanted to do like a little hitch thing just to put stuff on top of, not a trailer. I really want to do a trailer. Trailer. Yes. I, I agree with her now. 100% trailer. Yeah, when you get to the track and you can disconnect and you don't have to, like I still have a yard sale every day. <laughs> Just because I'm traveling so far, um, that's my excuse. Uh, but <laughs> but if you can just disconnect your trailer and then switch the tires over and not spend a whole bunch of time unloading the car every day, because every day is like the more precise you can be, uh, the more passes you can get in, or at least the quicker you can get on the road, especially on something like race week. Yeah, it, it'll just make it so much nicer. <clears throat> I'm really excited about the trailer. Tony thinks I'm crazy. Like I've been researching as much as I possibly can. Like I already have the the little trailer that I'm going to buy in mind, like the design of it, all the things I'm going to pack in it. And he's like, why are you worried about the trailer? We have to build a whole motor for it before we go. Yeah, like, we, have to, we know how to build a motor. We've there, done that before. We, still have to put a, we have to put a roll. The car is, it has no roll bar in it. We just put a battery shutoff switch in it. Um, do you, oh, so that's some questions. So, on the Rocky, on this version, because there's what, race week, race week, drag week, and sick week. So on race week, uh, do you need functioning windshield wipers or a horn? Like, what do you, what are the parameters of, like, just driving? And then how strict is tech at the track? Like, uh, from what you guys have seen, your opinion. Do you want me to go, Bill, or you? You go, you go first. Both of you guys. Yeah, any of you. Yeah, so um, don't need wipers. Um, Ray. Next, lots of guys, like lots of the super fast cars, they don't have wipers. I still do, but, you know, because winter. Um, <clears throat> you need uh, horn, headlights, 
functioning signal lights on the car and the trailer if you're gonna um yeah that's that's really it for the for that kind of stuff for the race um, week for yeah for race week i don't think anyone uh says you need wipers um what about trailer brakes no so if the trailer is yeah so if you have vented rotors on the car you don't need trailer brakes so if you're running like a like a willwood you know a yeah. rotor that's got the vents in the middle it's like two discs together with the vents in the middle yeah 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 you're fine. Wheel, willwood the yep. car was for road course type stuff so it's all yeah. You're fine. Heavy You're fine. Oh my god! And honestly, the stick shift will make a huge difference because you can just downshift and let the motor help you on the big long hills. Uh, but if you have vented rotors, you don't need trailer brakes. Okay, good. We do it anyway. <laughs> just do it. No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do that last. Do that last. Yeah. If you're gonna, yeah. Do that, yeah. Also last. The, need, the need to do shit list. Yeah. And then- if we're done early, we can do attack this list. <laughs> so, so talk, tell us about the trailer that you have your eyes on. Uh, so there's it like just the frame. I think it's on Amazon. They have like an aluminum frame that comes with a piece of paper so you can register it. And I'm just going to build from there. So it's going to be all aluminum. Um, I've just been watching videos of everybody and how they pack their stuff and what they put in it and just like so, the accessibility of the things that you need right away. And so a couple of things I've had a couple of different trailers and, and my two senses, if you can run a torsion axle over a leaf spring axle, do it because it's so much, it tows so much better and it doesn't bounce everything around as much because the trailer is much smoother. Um, and with a torsion axle, you can actually get them where the it's 45 degrees up, which lowers the trailer. So you want that trailer as low as possible, just so you, a for wind resistance and also just so you can see out of the back of your car. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, the biggest wheel, if you can put 15 inch wheels on it, do it. 14s are better. I like was... these Harbor Freight ones that run like the golf cart tires or those little tiny tires. Bring a few extras if you do those because you're going to burn up the hubs. I've been keeping an eye on everything, Facebook Marketplace and and OfferUp and everything, trying to see, like, I'm looking at old boat trailers and jet ski trailers, anything that's aluminum Mm -hmm. that might have better wheels or axles or anything on it. Yeah, for sure. The one on Amazon is obviously bare minimum. It has the little 12-inch wheels on it, and it, Obviously, I would end up changing that. So if I get the one on Amazon, the only reason I'm getting it is for a title. Yeah, got it. Got Probably going to replace everything on it. Yeah, and one of the things to consider, because um, I, I built a race week specific trailer, and because my car is a Ford, I have a Ford lug pattern on the trailer. So if I had to, like, if I had, like, I carry a spare tire for the trailer, and it's like the tires are crazy overrated for the trailer just so I don't need a spare, but I bring one. But if something was to happen, I could put one of my front tires on the trailer or vice versa. Um, mm-hmm. The back would never fit because I have the big lugs, but I could put a trailer tire on my car if I had to or vice versa. So just, just those little things to get you out of a jam if you need to be in one. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the, a lot of the, the drag and drive guy know which, um, 
you know, all those signs that are on the, the highway signs, <laughs> they pretty much know all those boat patterns and tire sizes too. <laughs> Some of them may have disappeared. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. <clears throat> and like I bring, um, I carry in my extra parts box, I have an extra hub assembly for the trailer. Just because if you burn one up, you've got it. You've got, you just slap one on and go. So I'll take all of, like, give me everything that you guys think I should put on this trailer. I have a whiteboard right here that I'm writing all stuff, all the stuff down on. And he's <laughs> like, what are you doing? We don't well, need to write a list down yet. We're well, not we there yet. We could start, but I, we're I'm leaving. Excited. We're leaving on Tuesday to go pick up a car to go race in Texas that I'm racing, and then a week later we're going to pick up our car, our five-speed car that's in Ohio, and going down to Texas and race now. So there's two races within two weeks of each other, and I'm trying to focus on everything for that to get that out of the way. And then race weeks, I, it's going to come fast because it's in September. I get it, but like I want to focus because there's a lot of stuff we have to do in the next two weeks on, on those cars. Oh, so you guys are signed up for race week 2.0. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Got it. Nice. Yeah. Not, um, there's another one in June, right? The first one. Yeah. One yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I think you, you honestly picked one of the best ones to go to. Mm. Um, there is two all day drive days. So it's actually seven days. It's not five, which is fantastic because there's actually some time to socialize if you're not fixing your car and uh, <laughs> the drives are beautiful um it, you, you'll definitely want to bring uh tony's laptop the one that has all the little jets in it <laughs> you, you would want to be bringing that because like when you go up and over the pass i don't know bill's house the the barometric pressure up there is like what is it 88 kpa or less than that bill oh no 70s yeah i'm at my house is at eight thousand feet and we drive right past it oh my goodness yeah so be, be prepared to do a little jetting on that carburetor when you're uh, yeah. going over the pass. We were thinking about doing two different carburetors, one for the drive, one for racing. Oh, that's a good idea. That's but good idea. we got this new nifty thing since uh, since we don't have fuel injection. Uh, I do. They're right here. I do. Is so Is it the Dial-A-Jet power plates? FST. Uh, it's funny, I have them right here. Uh, Kenneth FST, uh, we became friends, and there's an FST carburetor on this, and he gave us these metering blocks. And if you want to change jets, you just pull it out, change the jet, and you don't have to pull the, the metering block out or the bowl. Oh, that is fantastic. That's don't have to drain awesome. fuel bowls or anything. No. So if we wanted to jet it up on the side of the road, we can even have different tubes to sit in there and just take this tube out and put the other one in. That's pretty and, slick. Uh, and do that. So, so that's, that's because I was talking about having a carburetor for the drive and a car, because I think we want to put Q16 in it for the race, because I know it'll make a little bit more power. Yep. And then I'm going to drive this regular pump gas. And it's just a jetting thing. You know, I think we have to jet up five jet sizes. So we could just leave the, it's got a 750 HP on it. Just leave the carburetor and just change the jets, put them in, and let it yeah, ride. Yeah, and one one thing to think about too is with the major elevation change, the vacuum will drop significantly in the motor. Um, so you may need to change power valves as well if you have them in there. I don't know if you have it plugged uh, off or you have power valves. Yeah. So That's just it. consider that too, because you might have a power valve that just doesn't even close; it's just open and dumping fuel <laughs> because the vacuum is less. Mm. Yeah, it, it's actually the. 
it's the piece that a lot of people and my first time driving to Bills, I was like, I'm just going to drive this piece of shit off the mountain because it was like, <laughs> it was running like a, and it was getting hot. And, but there's, there's crazy stuff you don't think about. Like your cooling fans just aren't moving the same amount of air. So the, the vehicle is getting hot <clears throat> where normally you wouldn't think. And it's cool outside, but the fans aren't moving any air. It's pretty much like a parachute hitting in Florida as compared to a parachute hitting in uh, in Denver. In uh, Florida, it's like the cartoons, man. <laughs> my eyeballs just about pop out of my head and slap back. It was like, whoa, that parachute <laughs> hit hard. But in Florida, there's just not the air there. So it... Uh, Colorado, yeah. Or Colorado, yeah. yeah. It, uh, the air is just so thin um, there. So it makes makes it a fun challenge. So you're, you guys are... Uh, smart folks so you'll, you'll figure it out pretty quick it looks sounds like you're already thinking of the right stuff so yeah i'm just not as quickly just not as quickly as she's getting all excited she yeah. she gets fixated on one thing and she's like oh my god let's let's build it today and i'm like we got other races to go through. if we build it today we don't have to build it in three months um <laughs> i get pretty well job packed with stuff and but when i it's just we can start doing it but i like talking to you guys or getting tips on what we should do and what we're expected. And I, I did notice that I looked at the, the travel. I think it starts in Denver, then goes to, is it Nebraska? I, I, I'm losing my moral. I, it was Kansas first or Nebraska, but there was a day of travel, a full day that you didn't, you didn't race. And then only, yeah, there's two of those drive only days. Yeah. Yeah. There's racing, a, a drive day. And then there's two race days and the drive day. And I think two race days. Yeah, and those drive-only days are the really long drives where we're going from, like, Colorado to either Nebraska or Kansas. I mean, those are, yeah. like, 400-plus-mile days. And I'm as so you know, it's not just down the highway. I mean, we're going through all these little back towns and two-lane roads, and it's pretty awesome. And and honestly, yeah. the one in September, um, <clears throat> the trees are going to be start starting to change in the mountains. Have you guys ever been to Colorado? No. no. Oh. We haven't been to yet. Oh man, you guys are in for a treat. It's just beautiful. And if the trees are changing, uh, they may not be changing yet quite yet, but it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, the mountains and stuff, it's, I live here and I still am just in awe all the time. It's, I just feel so lucky to live here. It's just amazing. I'm so excited. I, I told Tony, even if I don't get in, cause it, it's sold out in what, 30 seconds. Yeah, under yeah. a minute. I said, if we don't get in, we're just going and we're we're doing the road trip just mm -hmm. just to do it, just to hang out. But and, we, nice. got it. And <laughs> we don't have any intentions of winning. It's just to be part of something and and just run the car and just see that all and meet, be able to conversate with all that crowd of people. Because like I said, we do the grudge racing, the street racing, and all these things. And this is one thing that we haven't done because we like traveling and we like drag racing. And this handles both of them. Yeah, so, I mean it's it, yeah. and it's everything like the gas station stops. The it's just everywhere. Every year cruising, it's like you're you're back in the seventies uh, almost because every gas station stop. There's everyone's taking the same route. Typically, all the gas stations fill up with all of us. You get a yeah. It's it's just so much fun. It gets addicting really quick. Uh, I was going to ask you, what fuel do you run your car on? I'm uh, I'm I use ninety three ninety three at on a on the road and then uh, C16 at the track. Yeah, and like 91, 93 if it's available. Typically we have 91 here in Colorado, but same, I run C16 at the track. 
Okay, so no E85 because the stations aren't around there. That's that's a no. There's there's a lot of people that do, um, and they do carry like probably thirty gallons of fuel with them if they can't get E85 somewhere. Um, I used to run, I used to run E70 ish at the track, but I've since not. I'm since not doing that. I run pump gas on the street for some more specific reasons, which we don't need to dive into now. But uh, yeah, C16's got a pretty huge tuning window. You, it's real hard to hurt stuff on that. Yeah. Timing not being right. Slow burning fuel, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and depending on how many passes you're making, like <clears throat> that Florida, I only made six passes. I basically drove 7,200 miles to go a mile and a half. But uh, you don't, <laughs> don't you use a ton of... I think the most I've ever used is maybe 15 gallons of race gas. So um, it's not like you have to carry a bunch with you. Uh, some of the tracks offer it. Usually Matt talks about that before. So if you need to bring five gallons and then pick some up at the next track, usually you can do stuff like that too. Is there race that. gas? Yeah. Are there race? Do they sell VP at the tracks that you go to? Um, um, so some will. Sorry. Yeah, some sell, like you can get the cans of fuel. Um Bandemir is a Sunoco track. So I actually I say C16, but I run actually run the Sunoco Max NOS fuel and it's Sunoco's version of C16. And I can buy it by the gallon there. So I just okay. get it there. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I don't, don't... want to have to carry a bunch of fuel. We were originally thinking to do E85 on the street so it'd run cooler um for the drive, especially through the mountains, but I don't think there's going to be enough stations and I don't want to carry 30 gallons of fuel with us. So we'll probably just do regular pump gas. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. Um, yeah. So I have a, and I know Rich does too, but you guys have such a killer no prep car. I want to, I want you to tell us what we can do to make our cars better. Now <laughs> the, the Mustang is a four link setup, right? Which is like similar to Rich's car. But the Maverick is a leaf spring car, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like mine. Yeah. So, so spill the beans. Cause my, <laughs> I tried no prep in my car. It was a disaster. Like it was embarrassing. <laughs> I haven't done a lot of no prep with the <clears throat> springs. We did a lot of radial racing with leaf springs and we kind of, we've learned a lot along the way. You definitely have. Um, but the sliders helped a lot when we changed the sliders on my black car. Um, and okay, just, so so talk about just that. Changing to the sliders did what? I mean, I know what a slider is, but how how did it improve it? And would you run sliders on a streetcar? Absolutely. Okay. So my car was a streetcar when we changed the sliders. It was back when I was still street racing it. And okay. I didn't understand them 100% when we put them on because you put them on and the, there's where they are in the little slider location is almost all the way to the back. Like, what are you talking? The car has to squat and go and do all. And he's like, no, we're radial racing now. You need extension. Like, you need to go. Separation, yeah. 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 So, we have some footage of uh, uh, her car and my buddy. Uh, he has a 68 Mustang uh, with leaves. Well, he did have leaf springs on it, but Caltrax, sliders, and we put GoPros underneath them. And it's amazing what that leaf spring does with 2,000 horsepower, you know, going on a radial track. I mean, it, it just bends it. And then, I mean, the difference between 
the leaf springs and a triangulated forelink or a ladder bar or a regular forelink is a leaf spring's trying to go straight. So when you leave the line, all the horsepower is making it separate. So the the leaf spring bows a lot. Well, it's, it wants to go back straight, so it's trying to force the suspension back down, but then you have shocks that kind of keep it up because her Maverick would have, what, how many separation? Three, three and a half inches? Yeah, like three, three and a half inches. Yeah, we had a shock sensor. So go three and a half inches, and all the way down the track, it's getting less and less. It would probably stay like at two through the traps, but a, a four-link, a, a Mustang or a regular four-link, it'll have four to four or so inches, and it'll keep it all the way through. So mm -hmm. springs definitely are tricky. Um, it just depends on what you want to do. Radial racing. I mean, even on, on the street or no preps, you still want some separation, just not as much. Yeah. You have a lot more extension in the front. Radial racing is the opposite. Not that much in the front and a lot in the back because the, the faster the car separates in the back without wheelie bars because you're trying to get to that – you're trying to get that gray area so fin finite that you're not spinning and you're not wheeling without, you know, with as much power in it as you can. And that's how we had her car. So it would extend three and a half inches off the hit, uh, go full extension by, I think, eight tenths, eight tenths to a second. And then the front end would barely come up through the whole pass. Oh, so by the 60 foot, you're seeing full extension. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, her car wasn't terribly... I mean, it ran good through the 60. It went 110 numerous times. That's pretty good. Uh, numerous times. So did the, my buddy's car. I mean, there's there's Lee Springs' car. Obviously, Ron Rhodes, he's the wizard. Uh, 0.9, 60 foot, 103. Uh, Nitrous car, too. So it, it's leaving a lot hard, uh, a lot harder than what we're trying to do. But uh, we were getting it. It's funny, the past that uh, we were trying to go 1.0s. That was like to go 1.0s in our car. Like, we're just doing whatever it took to go 1.0s. And... The one pass it was gonna do it. She broke the ring ring and pinion on her car and broke the blower hub on the blower. But <laughs> it broke it at eight tenths into the run, and and it was faster to the eight tenths than it was the one tenth. So like racer math, racer math. Yeah, <laughs> it would have gone like a one oh eight. Was oh, wow. and unfortunately she crashed at the next pass. So we never. I no, didn't even get a time slip on the pass that I crashed, so I don't even know if it did it then. But, uh, but uh, uh, the it's weight distribution too. Like this car for street racing, like I said, it was fifty two, fifty three percent on the rear, uh, with not a lot of weight in it. So that that helps a lot. Front extension, uh, they have those extra long travel shocks now that'll give it. You know, the car's going down the, the track and it looks all dumb because it's. Yeah. I've seen that. Like yeah. yeah, like they put a Baja suspension on the front. Yeah. yeah, and all kinds of stuff. I don't think this car's so light, so weight affects it so much that it does. I don't think with the, I mean, when we were street racing, it had this Lakewood 9010s on it. And that has, I think, five and a half inches of travel, and that's that's all it needed. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a little, I'm limited on the front end travel because I have a Mustang 2 front end in mine. And oh, so there's not a lot I, like it'll never be a good no prep car. Like if I had put struts in it, that probably would have helped a ton. Um, and, and I've typically always run um, a, a drag slick, a bias ply 
like you can see in the picture here, it's all yeah. wrinkled up there. <laughs> it's smashed high right there. <clears throat> yeah, that's not as bad as it used to be. I, I got some good shocks on it and helped control that, but I'm planning to switch to a radial. Um, so I'm just kind of curious what the shock settings will, from talking to Rich, it sounds like I need to stiffen things up a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, we learned a lot with shocks. Uh, she's, uh, we, we had a whole summer with my black car where we just couldn't figure it out. It would either wheelie or it would go 10 feet and knock the tire off and, we were at a track in Texas and both of us were just so frustrated. We were looking at videos in slow motion and seeing the tire start to go and then just lose itself. We put, I only had single bead locks on the car. So we put double bead locks on it thinking that would like stiffen it up and help it. It didn't do anything. We noticed that the rear end was starting to like pull in on itself. So we put more bracing on the rear end and that didn't do anything. We finally unhooked everything in the rear end and Tony got under there and just started bench pressing the back of the car and like <laughs> thinking about which way it goes. And he was like, Oh, we're going to loosen the suspension all the way up and send you down. We're going to take some power out of it. And I went up, made a hit. It was the fastest hit we made all weekend. And then we just kind of went from there. So what was actually happening is the extension on the shocks was too tight. So it would leave and it would try to separate, but the shocks would pull it back down and it would knock the tire off. And we kept trying to go tighter and it wouldn't work. We'd go a little looser and it wouldn't do anything because we were just so far tight that it didn't it didn't give it any room to separate or do anything. So Is, isn't it funny how and Rich, I know you could chime in here too. Isn't it funny when every time we turn it down it goes faster? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, my fast my fastest packet pass at sick week was after I heard Chad, who just went 757 the day before, he broke and I was the next fastest and I turned my car down and then it went 875 at 162. Um, Which was a like, personal best. Yeah, personal best. <laughs> and then it was like, yeah, I better not turn it up for the rest of the week now, I guess. And we'll just, we'll just leave it there. But yeah. <laughs> And uh, anti-squat, do you measure that typically on the car? And and I honestly have never measured it on this car or her car. We just, we kind of had an idea of like putting the sliders in at this angle and doing this because she wanted the car to sit lower, but changing, uh, adding more rim block changes the angle of the, the cal tracks and then we also have the lower brackets that so hers her cal, cal track bars are really far down just got a lot of angle in them and then we just control it with uh the shocks because she has four corner mincers on that car when we were racing it me and they're too. just me too they're amazing good. Hmm? yeah i'm only about halfway like in when i'm set up for race like i think they have about 22 clicks is that right uh in the rear the fronts, oh, I can't, it's been so long on your car. Uh, Somewhere in there. I think it's like 20, 22 clicks. I'm only like 10, maybe. Like I'm only about halfway of what the shot can do. I think hers, on the rears right now? Correct, yeah, on the rears. Yeah, we had, because they, we had hers, her fronts and rears. She would talk to Mark and tell him like, this is what it's doing. And then we'd send them out and get them revalved. And hers have been yeah. sent in quite a few times. 
So there could be different valving from your weight of your car and power to her uh, weight in her car. Yeah. But uh, when it was, you're saying 15 from full tight or 15 from full loose? No, I'm saying just the total number of clicks in the shock, I think, is like 22, and I'm only like 10. So I'm only like halfway in. I have a lot of room either side if I need to go tighter or looser from where I'm at right now. Okay, so you're midway through. Yeah, all his settings are from full tight. So, like, you go full tight, and then, like, hers, when it wouldn't extend, I think was at, like, eight or so. And then we just loosened it up. We just made a big swing. Yeah, we loosened it to, like, 16 from tight. And we just made a big swing and it went down and like, it was good to see how happy she was. Like when you're fighting it for as much, and it's something so simple as shocks. Like we we put a trans dump on it to drive through the converter to band-aid the suspension. And then I'm just like, the 60 foot, I mean, it would go consistent 113s, 115s, but that just wasn't good enough. Like I know it could do better and, Faster 60 foot, faster 330, faster eighth every time, you know. So, yeah, uh, just kept on working at it. And as soon as we put a little bit of power in it, it would just light the tire up. And then I'm glad we fixed it and, and learned, I learned a lot more about leaf springs and how things work. And uh, based off of her car, my friends that went pretty fast. So, so let me ask you this again. So, going from a shackle to a slider made a pretty significant difference in the way the car responded it definitely helped give it more of an opportunity to extend in the rear um but again it was still like a street car at the time it still had the stock 302 in it it wasn't that fast we hadn't put a lot of power to it i don't really have like a side-by-side comparison of it at 2000 horsepower shackles to to slide yeah I mean, I, I can say this with the stock motor in it, with a C4 for a streetcar, it was 60 footing 124. Wow. Um, with a car that, with a motor that only makes four, you know, 400 horsepower. So, yeah. we, tend to, we tend to do a lot at one time, too. So, when we changed the sliders, it was a whole rear end. So, we went from an eight inch to an 8.8. Um, we went from like stock shocks to mensers. We we did a lot all at one time. And I went so from the eight inch stock shocks, um, regular shackle, it still had Caltrax, but it just had on a shackle. Um, so changing from all that to all the other the the eight point eight and the mensers and sliders and all that, it went from a 149 60 foot was my best and it went to a 124. So all of that that's, helped tremendously. Yeah. And uh, a big key ingredient, I mean, was the anti-roll bar too. Oh yeah. We put anti-roll bar on it at the same time too. So I, I'm not sure if your car has one or. No, it, it doesn't. That's go ahead, Rich. No, I was going to say mine does. It made a huge difference. My, my car used to be, Almost like, you know, the typical GMA body uh, twist and all that. But as soon as I put a good anti-roll bar on, it's straight as can be. So yeah. so that's a question. So how do you know? Like, my car doesn't do that lift. Like, even when I used to have a, I had an NA motor in this thing, and it would pull both the tires off the same. Like, it wasn't huh. twisting up a bunch. You know, the my cage car- really stiffened it up. But 
how how's a guy know if you need an anti roll bar if it's not twisting up like that? Well, there's a couple things that I guess we could. Well, uh, my car wouldn't it wouldn't leave crooked or anything, but if you look, we put a GoPro on the rear quarter panel looking forward, and you could see the tire. It would come up and kind of go to the right, just like a tire width over. Mm. So it was just kind of moving it a little crooked. And they say you can adjust it with the Caltrax by stiffening and yeah. doing stuff like that. But uh, it just wouldn't work. And i try it neutral. i try one stiffer because I'm trying to move it around. And I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with this. <clears throat> I took everything out and I put an anti-roll bar in. And then we did shocks straight up instead of at angles. Oh, yeah. So a Maverick, the shocks come factory one in front of the rear end and one behind. And they're both at different angles. And... So we did all that and it helped. I mean, basically I seen like they say you don't need a anti roll bar with leaf springs because the leaf spring is so far out that it, it can't do body roll. Like a GM, the upper control arms are right off the rear end. So it, it's, it's in narrow so that it can roll around. So you put an anti roll bar on it and it fixes all that. But so when I told, cause Calvert, Caltrax is five miles from us. And uh, I go stop in there every now and then because we're always doing something. And I told him I was going to put an anti roll bar. He's like, why? You don't need that. It should just be fine. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do it because Ron Rhodes has an anti roll bar for a reason. These other fast cars have anti roll bar for some reason. So I put one on just a tunability thing. If the car's driving a certain way and it, it just started 60 foot and better from that, I can't, like mm. she said, I can't pinpoint it from if it was that or a couple of other things that we changed, but um, we just always were trying to go faster. So we put things on the car that the faster cars have, <laughs> I guess. I could say. Okay. Just the okay. more you can steer the power of your car to just go straight down the track instead of wherever it wants to go, the faster you're going to go. Well, I know your car is really heavy, but it makes a shit ton of power. What is it usually 60 foot when you guys are going? So, Okay, so at the end of last year, which is when this picture was taken, I had not got the boost builder working. Like I had just never messed with it. So I was left with like a pound and a half of boost. Oh, geez. So here it's leaving with like seven pounds of boost. And literally the next frame of that picture is it completely blowing the tires off. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's a really cool shot of it wrinkling it up. <laughs> But the pass was trash. <laughs> um, but part of that is too is I um, I didn't have my clutch management with the digital clutch controller. I didn't have it really dialed in, and I didn't anticipate the changes I was going to have to make with the clutch controller with going from a pound and a half to seven pounds of boost. I mean, it was probably launching with another I don't know. What do you think, Rich? A couple hundred horsepower at least more. Yeah. Um, so. You know, over the winter, I've mentally been working on what those changes look like, and um, it should make a significant difference. I'll be launching with a lot more power and have the clutch management figured out. Um, but I am curious because I have some radials, and I'm planning to try them this year, but I know that the chassis setup is going to change. At least shock adjustment is going to change somewhat with the radial. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a little scared. I'll be honest with you. I um, It made a huge difference on Rich's car, but... I just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big change. So I just, I just want to sneak up into it. Yeah, and, and mine, 
Um, and so I think I would never go to radials unless I had my clutch sorted out. So I would right. say until Bill gets his clutch controller set up so that it slips it so it slips enough that he's not like killing the killing the tire. I don't think I'd go to a radio because like you described, it's broken transmissions. It's broken. You're going to yeah. break a lot of stuff with that much power um, and that weight of car. So <clears throat> at sick week, my best 60 foot was a uh, 141. And I'm pretty convinced I could have uh, brought the boost in quicker. I just didn't need to, to, to win the events. So I didn't, I didn't really crank it, crank it up any higher, but I, I'm thinking now on a good track, like in Florida, I think it would probably do a 138 or something, you know, maybe 135. But I don't know if I push it much harder than that. I'm, I don't know what, I don't know what's going to give first. I don't know if the input shaft's going to Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so your question was: so it's done low 140s typically with a pound and a half of boost. Um, is typically what it's 60 footed with not a ton of power. It seems like on the hit. Yeah. No, that's that's actually really good for the weight of the car and only leaving on a couple pounds of boost. Um, so you both have a digital controller, so you have no, both no. throttle bearings then, right? No, Rich Rich has got a legit slipper clutch. Yeah, I've got all mechanical linkage and uh an adjustable clutch. So I don't have uh I don't have his clutch controller because I have mechanical linkage. So I, I Every day, jack up the car and loosen it off to pretty much nothing. In fact, Tess, while we're on race week, you'll have to sit in my car and push in my clutch. You'll be like, "This is ridiculous!" Like you there's can push no, it with your finger. Yeah. Like that's there's, no there's nothing attached. there. <laughs> um, but when you launch at forty five hundred, you know the counterweights start to work, and uh, you know when you're going through the traps at seven thousand, you got to push on that clutch because the counterweight is doing a ton of work. But I can leave. When I'm driving around the pits, I can just pretty much let my foot off and the car will go, <laughs> like it, it, it feels like it's got a converter in it almost. So yeah. it's a it's a dual disc that basically the pressure plate isn't clamping at because because uh, you're on a radial, right, Rich? I am now, yeah. And he's got a, it's a single disc. He's got a single 11 inch in his clutch. It's a single, huh? Oh, so yeah. all these people telling me that I need a dual disc with my 400 horsepower. Yeah. I I disagree. Um, I think in a synchronized transmission, if you can if you can get away with a single disc, you should always do that because a dual disc has way much more inertia and it's way harder on the synchros. And it's also more rotating mass. Yes. Like uh, if you can get away yes, with a yes, single yes. Like I'm actually just amazed that with the power and weight that Rich makes, that that clutch doesn't just blow through in fourth gear. But Rich, what's the amount of pressure the counterweight? There's six levers on a thing. So how much pressure is it putting on that that clutch disc? I mean, it's just smashing it. Yeah, it. <clears throat> I'd have to look at the. But there's there's like seven thousand pounds of clamping force. Um, yeah, that's that a pretty heavy diaphragm. That's a pretty heavy <laughs> That's that's impressive, and that's that's exactly that's exactly what I think that's designed to do. Because with a if you left with four thousand, three thousand pounds of pressure, it would either break something in a drivetrain or blow 100%. the tires off. Hundred uh, percent. I'm gonna. Delve into some, dive into something here. 
I get a lot of people saying, uh, what tire should I run on my car, slick or radial? And I, with a stick shift question, and I said, put a slick on it because the, uh, the slick, you know, has a lot of leeway with surfaces and getting, and a lot of these people that are asking me questions, you know, I can't get my car to hook. What tires it on? It's on a radial. Well, put a slick on it, it'll go down the track, you know. Uh, yeah. To get a radial to work, you're either going to break something or you have to do a lot of stuff because you can't, if she left with a radial with 3,200 pounds of pressure, she's going to either spin, it's going to be a nightmare. But yeah. the slick eats up that that motion. And, um, it absorbs the hit. It absorbs, it absorbs the, hit. the hit so yeah. much. Uh, but if you have like a slipper clutch, so how much base, how much pressure do you think you leave with, Rich? Um, so <laughs> I, I think I'm like 356 pounds of base pressure just um, without any RPM. And then at 4,000, I don't know. I, I'd actually have to pull a sheet to have a look. I can I can let you know what it what That's it's awesome. yeah and yeah I kid you not like if you if you're in your you just you could just sidestep the clutch and it'll it'll literally like nicely accelerate you in the pits it's that loose um, that's, that's beautiful and that's how I imagine you're getting all these radios like the Grubworm has a similar deal yeah totally yeah. does yeah yeah and we actually compared graphs and you can see mine like it it's slipping for. Geez, I don't know, 1.3, 1.4 seconds now. Um, but I went down every day. Um, you know, it ranged from probably a 146, 60 foot to a, a higher RPM leave as a 141. Um, but you can just you could just feel it. The whole pass after you leave like that is so good because it's so consistent. And you know what it's going to do. You can focus on your shift points. You can listen to the motor. Um, it, it was a total game changer. And this was the first year I went to radios because I, I I I tried. Well, it's not the first time I've tried radios, but the last time I tried them, I broke everything. <laughs> um, I, broke, I broke everything: transmission, axles, like um, rear end, like everything. Um, but. That's the sticks do. down there on a really well prepped track, you end up doing what Bill's doing there, where you you wad the tire up so hard because it's so sticky, and then it releases, and then you you lose. Pull the tire up. Yeah, you lose the tire, but yeah, a hundred percent. You're exactly right, and it's hard to to tell all these people, these internet warriors on our YouTube channel or her YouTube channel, that put an automatic in it. You need this clutch. You need a dual. It's like no, you don't like. <clears throat> It doesn't need that. It's just a 400 horsepower car, and she, you know, she's been there. She built the first clutch in the car, hand by her hand with her own hands, and she's been there every part of it. And this this deal, and and it's we're finally to a point where I think 3,200 pounds with 3,200 pounds of base with the combination that it has seems to be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and one of the things multiple events, so I think I'm doing all right. Yeah, and you're running an organic disc, correct? Yeah, yeah. So. I would, I would speculate that you could have, with the lighter pressure plate, gone to like a ceramic disc and perhaps accomplished the same thing because the coefficient of friction is a little higher on a ceramic. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I have had excellent results with a organic disc when I had an NA motor in this thing. Um, matter of fact, that's how I met Rich. <laughs> um, and 
yeah, I, I do like the organic disc single with it, it's a great combination. Um, so, it just kind of depends what you're after. So what's in your in your car? Yeah, mine is an absolute sledgehammer of a clutch. Um, it is a 2700 pound. It's a Ram Pro Street clutch, but it's set up with two. It's a twin disc centered iron discs. So without the clutch controller, it's just nuts. It's an on off switch like it's it's horrible. Um, but with the clutch controller and, and I've figured out what which as a matter of fact, the 5135 formula is what I use, but I've found a favorable brand that I like the best that lasts the longest and seems to work much better. Um, and that's what I run. And it was a twin 10 and a half inch. And I've since cut them down to tens and I could probably go smaller, uh, just because it's so over clutched, but it holds, but with the digital clutch controller, I can totally control the engagement of the clutch. So it like a data log, Honestly, you put it next to riches, they're hard to tell the difference. When you say, so you have a hydraulic throttle bearing then, or correct. something hydraulic That's on correct. it, right? Correct, yeah. And then it's basically a progressor, because I, is it basically like a progressor that when you dump the clutch, it only allows so much fluid through to slip the clutch, and then it allows it to come all the way out? Essentially, yeah, it's a it's a hydraulic cartridge um, that is being PWM'd by a digital controller, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, but I can make adjustments on my clutch with an app on my phone. Like I don't have to get out of the car. I don't have to get under the car. I don't have to do anything. It's not like the technology, so he probably doesn't even notice. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was just thinking like we're underneath her car and I'm seeing, you know, lines going to the hydraulic throttle bearing. It's got a McLeod throttle bearing. And I'm thinking, well, <laughs> if she can dump the clutch and the fluid, it's you know it's she's pressing the clutch in the diaphragm so when she dumps it it's coming out you know it's, it's yep. doing this yep. and if she dumped the clutch and there was something that could slow that process down to not shock something as hard i mean it's fine under 400 horsepower but yeah what happens when like because i'm building another car to come compete with you guys at some point that's gonna that should make 1800 horsepower with a five speed or six speed so i'm thinking well how am i going to control that with and still stay with ACT because they're they're so good. Those obviously there's a slipper clutch from Black Magic, but I was thinking, well, maybe you could just run a progressor. If you had a progressor that just slowed the fluid back to the reservoir. Yeah, so that's exactly what this does. Um, and I actually have had a conference call with ACT. I need to get back to them um, because I get phone calls, texts, messages all the time. What kind of clutch do I put in my car? What kind of clutch do I put in my car? And really. The, the the missing piece right now, in my opinion, is a single disc clutch that can handle a thousand horsepower that's a diaphragm. And it's got to be, well, maybe not even a thousand horse, but it's got to be a single disc centered iron clutch. And you call McLeod and they're like, oh, no, you can't do that. It'll destroy the clutch. But you know what? We've done it. And the clutch lasts fine. It works just fine. Um, my clutch is not designed for centered iron discs, but I did four events and probably 5,000 plus miles last year with the same discs in my clutch. I had to reshim it, but I didn't change the discs out all summer, partially because I couldn't get new ones. <laughs> but, but I reshimmed the clutch and it worked beautifully all summer long. So, so his, yeah, his, his, um, his clutch controller is exactly what it's, it's more sophisticated than what you're describing. Like you can time, like if you let it off the floor, 
there is a certain time limit where there's a bite point. Um, you put that in there and then how long do you want to let it slip for what period of time and then it releases it. And then if you're going to use the clutch for the rest of the pass, you can ignore it all too. So it, uh, yeah, so this is a work on the launch version of what you're describing, Tony. Yeah. And it has two features. If you're an NA setup, um, you can just get it right to the bite point or the engagement point where it starts to grab and you can hold it there and just slip it for, you know, you can adjust it down to the millisecond. If you're a boosted car, it has another option you can do that has a ramp feature, which functions exactly like the counterweights on his, whereas the engine RPM comes up and the counterweights coming out, the pressure, the clamp load on the clutch is increasing as the RPMs coming up, which yeah. is exactly like a ramp that you can do on that diaphragm. So as the power is coming up, you can be increasing the clamp pressure. So it's not just blowing through the clutch. Uh, uh, and I can talk to you more about it offline if you want some more detail. Uh, that's, that's, that's excellent. Um, through our journey with the stick ship with her car, her learning how to do burnouts and launches. Uh, there's been a number of people obviously that say put automatic in it, which who cares what they say, but <laughs> uh, the, I think the, uh, they think this is her only car. Like this is just, uh, well, it's not sitting here, but, uh, they think that that's her only car so that she needs to go. If you want to compete, you need to put automatic in it. It's like, no, this is the fun car. Yeah, like we have multiple not, other cars. I'm not trying to compete with the stick shift car. The main goal with this car is to be fun and have fun with everything I do. And I'm not going to have fun if I put an automatic in it. 10 second car and just let off a button and just sit there in the car and do absolutely nothing. Like I'm here to learn a new skill. I'm here to like get better at it. I'm not just, uh, people annoy me. But the thing is, is about ACT, you know, they're, they're five minutes from us, well, 10 minutes, five or six miles from us. But, uh, I have a friend there, John, and he works with us every single time. Cause we've gone through, three clutches in her stick shift car, and then our stick shift car in Ohio, which makes quite a bit more power than her, her Maverick. I've been through someone there, mostly my own fault, but uh, we got it sorted out, her car sorted out. But what people see is her, like our last video that she just uh, released, she goes to a, a no prep event and, and hurts the clutch. What they didn't see is the 11 passes on the street in about 30 minute time period of her beating burnouts, launches, come back around burnouts, launches. And then, I mean, we have a lot of hits on them, but it's learning. It's like, he, once you heat it up, like, well, the 2,800 pound base one, like she got it hot and it hurt it. And I think it can't deal with it. Well, the 32, if she gets it hot, it can deal with it a little bit more because there's so much pressure. Just like I imagine how yours is, yours is slipping, putting a bunch of heat in, but Towards the end of the track, it's got 7,000 7, pounds of pressure. So it's it's going to clamp no matter what. It's just going. Yeah, so, keep in mind a centered iron disc is designed to slip. I mean, they, they will handle the heat, whereas an organic, the hotter it gets, the slipperier it gets. Like, yeah. uh, centered iron's not like that. But but you're correct. You got Even ours, ideally, we want to cool them down half an hour, 45 minutes at a minimum between passes. If you're hot lapping it, you become a little yeah, we, touchy. <laughs> so we definitely didn't do that. And we, that was I mean, I'm definitely learning from experience here. I figured my my pro would have told me, but I was like, 
I was doing two burnouts and then launching the car and not going like a full pass, but going first through third and then doing a U-turn and hitting the gears on the way back and then just pulling right back up. And well, the, it the like, heat, what, three minutes? The heat, the heat is from that revving up and launching. That's where all, I, I believe, all the heat comes from. Second, yeah. second gears, second to third is like whatever, but like the burnout and then launching it, it's just like, oh, it's just like, Jesus, you know, it's going. And we were just having fun learning and I, I didn't want the fun to stop. So we just keep on going, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and, and I will tell you, I, yeah, and I will tell you, I run an infrared temperature sensor in my bell housing, so I can, I'm going to say, monitor the temperature of the clutch. It's really monitoring the hat temperature. The clutch, I don't know how you would measure the temperature of the disc, but you could relate it gives, that. It gives me an idea. Like I know where its happy spot is, and I know like when we start street driving, and that thing is like freaking 200 plus degrees that clutch is not happy. Like it's real touchy. It's an on off switch then. Whereas when it's cooler, I can actually slip a decent on the street and just drive it. When, uh, so we, we changed the clutch after the one, the, the clutch that we have in it now. And we went to the track and she made eight passes in one day. And we let it cool in between rounds. That's when she went tens, but that's eight. And then we made three the next day. So 11 nice. passes on that. And we don't really break them in because, I mean, there's, we do, the way that they told us that ACT is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this method, but like when we were outsourcing a clutch for the mayor, when we first burned up the, like they had a, like a whatever clutch in it when we first started going, then I, I killed it. And then we called Center Force, we called McLeod, we called ACT. Uh, of like what kind of base pressure, this is the combination. And no one would really entertain like what we were doing. Like we have a car that weighs 2,400 pounds at street races, it's on this and we can't break it. It has no radiator, it's got a water tank. How do you break a clutch and you can't drive it 500 miles? Well, yeah. it came across ACT and I'm glad that they were the one that were the most helpful with this because they're local. And they just said, well, once you put the clutch and you don't need to drive it, just put it in third gear, let the clutch out from a stop do that, I think he said three times, let it cool down, do it another one or two times, and then go do your thing. Um, yeah. And I and that, that kind of method worked for us because there isn't 500 miles on all the clutches put together in her car because we're just out beating the hell out of it. It's been sitting on slicks, you know? Yeah, you got to think it's not, and I'm sure we'll get arguments about this, but it, it can't be so different than betting in new brake rotors. You know, you do three... 60 mile an hour panic stops and let it cool and they stink and they smoke, but that's it. That's all they need. And they're done. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, I'm, I'm part of a group that, uh, <clears throat> we've ran, uh, darn near 300 miles an hour on the salt flats. And we put a new clutch in that before, uh, making a pass. And, uh, we had the thing up on jack stands and we just, uh, I don't know if we had it in third gear or something, but we just, in and out, in and out, just kept engaging the clutch and releasing it. They told us to do that like uh, 250 times. So we took turns and- Yeah, and got a leg workout. Got a leg workout and uh, it was fine on the pass. So yeah, there's, there's like you said, there's some, the clutch the clutch guys should know of other methods. So if that one works, I mean- You know, yeah. it, it's funny you say that, Rich, because when I um, when I helped the tailors with that, um, that Savoy that they did on Hot Rod Garage, 
same thing yeah. that had McLeod clutch and on the dyno, they just put it in and Alex did leg day and she just clutched yeah. in and out and in and out like yeah. 250 times, just like you said. And guess what? It won. <laughs> and it did great. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, I would definitely take advice from you guys. You guys are out there with heavy cars going fast, all this technology in it. But these guys on the internet that say, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. It's like, well, what, what, what are you basing your idea off? Did you get your idea from another person that you've seen on, on the internet that hasn't done like, oh like, gosh. like yeah, they don't... the YouTube world is terrible because they see one video of one guy that did this one thing and then they go watch somebody else's video that's doing something different. They're like, well, Billy Bob did this and that's how you should do it. You need to run this clutch because he did this and he made that one pass and he went 12s. So you yeah. should do this. I mean, we literally, like we were going to go out today and drive her and run her car, but it started sprinkling. Like, because we went to the track on Friday, we only got two passes and she's like, I need to make more passes. So we're going to go out there and probably make another four or five hits on the street. And that car works pretty damn good on the street enough to put heat in the clutch and do stuff. And, and it's like, People don't see, like, we only sh show a portion of what we're doing because we can't show everything on our YouTube channel because some of it's not exciting. And we're, if we make 35 hits throughout the legal. weeks, we can't show 35 <laughs> yeah, hits. No one needs you know? to sit there and watch 35 of the same card yeah. and the same exact thing yeah. over this, and over this again. Guy might, this guy might. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we have video of most of it if you want to see it. But <laughs> I mean, there was one night we went out and she just did – Burnouts and launches, burnouts and launches, burnouts and launches. I mean, it was like repetitive. I went through three gallons. I just took water out. I didn't even take like the juice. I just took water, burnout, come back around, do it again. And it's like, yeah, people don't see that. So when we're putting heat in the clutch and just tormenting this poor car, and then we think it's okay because we adjusted the clutch and in our first pass, it smokes the clutch out of it. It's like, it's a bummer for us. We got to change it, but they only see that one pass. They didn't see the abuse. Like we're hard on stuff. We like we get something and it's like full, like max it out, max it out, max it out every time. And most people aren't like that. They put a clutch in, they drive it around for a year, and then they, they then they decide to go to the track. Like we don't. We're, we're going to the track with her car in two weeks again to go beat it up. You know. So nice. Yeah, it's funny because I have a stack of clutches. <laughs> like the amount of different clutches that I've been through to get to this combination where I am now. Yeah, I yeah, the thousands of dollars of clutches that are sitting there. I've got one just like Bill. Um, I have got a, I have got a ton of them. But what also makes me laugh is that somebody is trying to give you advice on uh, stick car launching. That's hilarious. But I did want to ask Tess. So, so are you having a ton of fun? driving a stick car or what absolutely i don't think i don't think i will ever have a performance vehicle that goes any slower than eights that's going to be an automatic from now on <laughs> yeah nice it, i don't think i could have fun with a street car that's not a stick shift it's it's definitely changed my mind about a lot of things well here, here's the question you've been well into the fours with your black car with a couple thousand horsepower and you've been tens with your 450 horsepower car what's the difference to you like what's the the fun factor and what's it's different like i won't say one is 
better than the other. I think they both have their advantages and their disadvantages, but I'm definitely putting in a lot more work in the 10 second streetcar shifting the gears than I am in the radio car. Like making 2000 horsepower, I barely blip the gas and do a burnout and just carry it half track, well not half track, but you know, big long burnout, big smoke. I am trying so hard to do a good burnout, to get a good launch, to get through all the gears as quickly as I possibly can, which isn't fast at all yet. But I'm working so hard to go tens when going fours was just like easy. That's awesome. So let me ask you a question. If you guys had an unlimited budget to build a stick car, what would you build and what would the combo be? I think I, we both have answers and we both already have the cars. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I am, I, we have multiple cars and multiple versions of what we want. Like I, I have a, a radial car that, it's, it's always been a radio. Well, it started as a street race car, then it's a radio car. But I'm putting that back together. That's the car I've had for, shoot, twenty about twenty four years. It's called. It's my snowflake. It's a white Mustang with a black stripe. Uh, it's not much on my Instagram too much or any of the videos that we put out because it's just sitting there. I'm collecting parts again for it. But I've had that for about twenty four years, and I have a duplicate to that car. I have another car, same year, same color, same black interior. That's a four cylinder. Well, that's my host for, I'm gonna put together uh, a built coyote, um, sleeve stock block, uh, good heads with a single, I think it's gonna be like a 94 millimeter or 88. And the goal is to make enough power, I wanna go sevens in it and drive it, be able to drive it. So it's gonna have a six speed, a T56 Magnum in it and stock interior roll bar and stuff but my goal is to go bottom eights or high sevens in that car and it, i figured out with um one of our friends owns addiction motorsports who does really into the coyote stuff and i drive his car actually and he told like if you want to go 80 with an automatic car i think you can do it with less power but a stick shift car you need a little bit more power because of this the stick shift deal and everything, but I think I need to make at least 1600 to, to do what I need to do. And that car is a car that uh, I will probably end up doing drag week with at some point. I mean, this is down to future, but I already have um, Texas speed uh, likes Tess and I, because we're Ford, even though Texas speed is a LS company, they're delving into Ford and they want us to help them promote their Ford line which is Coyotes and Godzilla Motors. So she's going to do a Godzilla motor and another Maverick. And uh, I'm not sure the transmission yet. Uh, The the same goal to, I don't know if I'll be able to go sevens. I need to definitely work on my shifting. I don't think I'll ever be as great as this guy, but I just, I'll take eights, bottom eights in a stick shift car, but I already have the Maverick sitting in the backyard waiting. So that one's going to get a Godzilla and the biggest pro charger you can put on a belt. Um, yeah. And then mine will just be uh, the Coyote, Coyote deal. So that's the line and we're just waiting. We have these cars and our, we only have a two car garage at this point, but we're building a shop in the backyard and that should be happening in the next few months. So once the shop is built, uh, the, the Coyote car, I'm gonna start on that uh, here pretty soon. 
How big is your I've shop going to be? What's that how again? Big, how big is the shop going to be? Not big enough. <laughs> 40 by 60. Ooh, that's nice. Yes, that's going to be nice. I'm scared it's going to be too small. But uh, so the, 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 I wouldn't say unlimited budget. I think we can do it with how much our income is and the help from all of our sponsors. Like I said, Texas Speed reached out to us and I, I think we're going to put that one together here. And, uh, I think hopefully this year start on that project, but we have so many things going on, you know, car in Ohio, cars in Texas and this stuff. And um, it's just fun though. We, we have a lot of fun with it. And then talking with guys like you that do drag week and race week and our stick shift guys, like I look up to you guys and what you guys are doing and this learning. I'm, I've learned a lot just in this conversation with you guys about stuff. So uh, it's always yeah. good to talk with people that are smart. <laughs> well, I've, yeah. learned, I've learned a lot too. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what, what I think is cool too, is how much the stick car racing has taken off now, like grub worm running six sixty one, and Nick, Nick Coleman, I think he went six eighty seven or six eighty five or something uh yesterday at texas 2k so that's the fastest ls like he broke his own record in a pickup truck um <clears throat> so it's so cool how how stick car racing has taken off again so it's i'm excited to see you guys getting into it it's fun to watch you test learning and and uh even describing for people what it's like because i was bugging i was giving doug cook a hard time i'm like oh you brought a mustang with a ls and uh and a turbo <laughs> and you're and you're gonna run 520s like you could do that all day long man you already know that recipe like put a stick in that thing and then uh you know change the learning curve a bit because it, it is it's just it's actually what i enjoy the most about it is um i know if somebody can't just hop in my car and go run the number i'm gonna run but how many people can run in a you know, hop in a fox body and let a button go and probably run 520s. Uh, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> my brother, my older brother, when he was like my mentor as I was growing up. He was into cars. Like we had my dad's Oldsmobile, which that was an automatic car, but got me into racing. And then he always said, like, you, you should have to drive your car. Like, and a stick shift is that. Like, if you drive a stick shift, you're, you're driving the car. And it's hard for somebody else to do that. You know, not everybody can do it. So he beat that into my head. So every car, all the Mustangs I had were always stick shifts uh, for the fun factor too, and because of him. And then I was even trying to race it, you know, with no knowledge of running a series, uh, a PSCA out here. Like I had a stick, I had a, I had a car that made six, 700 horsepower back then that could never get down the track because they didn't, I had a Tremec 3550 in it. I didn't know about clutches. Like it would, I would break the trans. It it was just stupid. So then I switched to an automatic in there. But I had another car that was a stick shift, just to support my stick shift addiction. <laughs> and now since we're older, like we have, with our multiple cars, you know, there's there's a place for an automatic, and I get that with her radial car and stuff like that. It's just for what we're doing, and it it's better for that. But this there's a place for the stick shift stuff. So that's why. The mayor was a stick shift. Like I was doing it unconventional. And, and I have this talk with her all the time and my friends, like if the mayor, if the gray mayor was an automatic, would it have been as popular? I don't think so. I was doing it in a different way. 
it wasn't an LS. It was a it was a Ford base, and it was a stick shift, and it did a wheelie through an intersection before wheelies were really that popular on the street, and it was a stick shift, and it just it raises the bar of like not that many people can do it, and I think it holds a little bit more respect, and that's why I think it got popular. It was a hell. I mean, it, I used to get shit for it all the time, like for my friends. Why are we having a stick shift? And it's stupid. It's hard. And it, we did it. And we became something. I don't think it would, our name would have grown as much as it did if it wasn't for that video and that car doing what it did with a stick shift. Well, I can tell you, you wouldn't be on this podcast if it wasn't a stick shift. <laughs> <laughs> You're 100% it true. made it all worth it. <laughs> and, and I told her the same thing. I said, you know, this, this Maverick with the stick shift, I'm really glad she, she has the desire to do this. Like I'm, she's like, I'm not putting automatic in this car. I want it to be fun. And that fun, you know, when she first went to the track, wasn't that much fun, but was fun because she only went 13s wheel hopping and not being able to do a burnout <laughs> missing gears to a 10 second car with the same motor and the same gear and the same, you know, it had it had a T5 in it, but now it has a TKX. That doesn't make it go any faster. It's just stronger. But with just learning the car, to watch her go from that to where she's at now is, like, so impressive. That's awesome. So, Rich, should we, should we jump into the TKO round? or uh, you gonna... Yeah, well, you guys got any other questions for us before we uh, wrap? Wrap it up. We've had you for a couple hours already. Well, so I, anything I forget, I'm just going to text message you now because I have your phone number. So get ready. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to start bullshitting. Just Perfect. be ready for lots of text messages. You might be added to group chats with him. I don't know how he has so many conversations throughout the day, but he he'll he'll annoy you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So oh, that's perfect. So we have the first round of questions and you guys will be familiar with it. It's called the TKO round because that's a five speed transmission. We got five questions. So I'll start it off and you both can answer. So it'll actually be like 10 answers, five questions, 10 answers. Ladies What's the, first. Yes, of course. Ladies first. What is the first car you owned and or modified? Uh, actually, the first car I ever owned was a stick shift uh it was a 1964 baja bug nice uh, i was probably 15 learning how to drive well i learned how to drive in another stick shift car i learned how to drive in a samurai that was my dad's and that thing was terrible it had like <laughs> crazy gears in it so it was like meh, meh. Meh. It was. I ran over a mailbox in that thing because I forgot to turn it off before I took my foot off the clutch. That was terrible. But first pair, nineteen sixty four, Baja Bug, bright yellow. I love that thing. Uh, nice. Mine was a nineteen eighty six Toyota four x four when I was in high school. A little single cab stick shift car, and I used to beat the shit out of it, like grabbing gears. Like I think that's where all my learning came from. And I remember <laughs> I was like grabbing gears, and I just pulled second. And I pulled the shifter out of the transmission. <laughs> I broke these tabs that hold. The it had like a weird system of how it went in there. Like its thing came in and turned and it locked on these two dowels. And it, I broke the tabs and I just pulled it through the boot. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> pulled over. And my brother welded it for me. But that was the first uh, car I owned. But my first Mustang I got when I was 19. And I broke, this is no lie, 
I broke the transmission the first night I got it. <laughs> first night it, I broke, must have, I broke been a T5. must have been a T5. T5, I broke the shit <laughs> for, for third and fourth. And I didn't have the money <laughs> to fix it because I spent all my money buying the car. And the car was a pretty known car. It had a it had street race before and it was semi stock, but beautiful car. But I, yeah, I broke the shift for for third and fourth. So I had to drive it around first, second, fifth everywhere for a while. And then that's, my, that's what started my, my multiple, multiple, multiple breaking of transmissions. So, but yeah, that's it. Nice. That, that's pretty funny. Has Tess broke the shifter off the car yet? I don't have these arms. I have little noodle arms, so I don't I don't break anything on the shifter yet. <laughs> it's amazing what adrenaline will do, though. So, uh, yeah. yeah, pretty much all of us have broken. Yeah, I've broken a, a few. Yeah. Just yep. the shifter, just the shifter handle, like bust the steel right off the thing. Yeah, you know. same here. <laughs> so uh, just a quick thing about that braking transmission. So I, by the time I got the money together to rebuild or buy a new transmission, I found a guy that's about an hour away. Uh, it was a place called Stick Only, and he rebuilds transmission. It was 750 bucks. He rebuilds T5s, and he gives a warranty on it. And that was the worst thing that guy could have ever done for me because I took that transmission back another seven times to him. <laughs> I shit you not. Like, I was so good at pulling a T5 out. I take it down there. And he's like, what? And he put something in it. There was one that broke with me just driving it. Like, I don't think he was too good at putting it together. And I definitely wasn't good at being easy on it. Uh, so I broke it quite a few times. And I bought the 3550 but yeah a warranty on a rebuilt trans was no good for him <laughs> that's a bad business model <laughs> yeah okay we're gonna bang her into second gear here uh, what in your opinion has been the biggest technology uh change to move our sport forward um now tess you can answer however you like like you can talk about uh drag racing or you could talk about stick racing whatever Whatever you want to answer that. Oh, uh, jeez. I mean, I'm not allowed to have any technology on my stick car, but I, think, <laughs> I just think EFI has definitely done a lot. Just oh, good answer. more particulars of your car and being able to fine tune something as well as you can with an EFI car, having all the data. Like, it's crazy to know all the things that, you would never know had you had 50 sensor sensors on your car. So definitely. Yeah, definitely if I, but I wouldn't say it's technology that's helped the sport. Uh, I, 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 it has helped the sport, but I'm going to say what I'm going to say is I think that street outlaws when it first started bumped the sport up tremendously. <laughs> uh, I think that was, I think without street outlaws, you wouldn't have as much technology that you have i mean there's other racing of, of course that goes on but it, it brought a new it, light it brought a new light for to racing uh people that had cars that hadn't driven them in a long time or wanted always wanted a car but never just went out and pulled the trigger to do it i think the original show what it was based off of the first few seasons inspired a lot of dads and their sons to go do stuff and that was so good for the industry uh just seeing all these old hot rods come out again and people racing, I think it was really good for for, for the racing community. Awesome. That's a great, right. Yeah, it's a great answer. Um, 
I was watching Kyle. I think he was down in Texas this week, and uh, both Boosted and uh, Big Chief were out on the streets. Um, Boosted was racing. Justin was just there watching because he just loves it so much. But on the way back from sick week, I was messaging um, Justin, and uh, <laughs> some of the comments that he sent me were so cool. He was like, we were watching you drive that GTO all over the country. He's like, we want to do what you're doing. <laughs> I was just asking him Pontiac questions, but uh, yeah, it's amazing how far the drag and drive is reached. Um, but I totally agree. Those guys, uh, yeah, they kicked off another wave that that's just been incredible. And, you know, I think like Billy and his dad and <clears throat> all the YouTube stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, it has. Right, we're going to palm shift this thing into third gear and hope the clutch, hope the shift fork doesn't break. Yeah. So, if you could spend one day with someone, anyone, alive or dead, who would it be and what would you do? Oh, man. We usually give this one ahead of time. but I, Yeah, I just realized we didn't do that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you go first. I don't oh, know geez. I, I was know. looking at you to order no, first. <laughs> uh, who would I want to spend some time with, alive or dead? Uh, it'd be nice to have my dad come to the track with us more and do stuff. It's even, he's, he's getting older and, uh, doing that video with, uh, my dad in his car. I think that was really good. So yep. not just necessarily him, but like, we don't really all get together too much cause we're always gone or this stuff, but it'd be nice to have him come out more and, and appreciate what, uh, how far her and I have come, come in this sport and, and meeting people. And, you know, you're in Canada and Bill's in, I think, Colorado, Colorado right? So we're Colorado, all, Colorado. We're, we're, we're taught, you know, it's, it's opened up a whole, a lot of doors to meet people. And I wish he could travel with us and, and do stuff more. So, but that's not for just one day, I guess. But yeah, more than one day would be awesome. So. I guess spend a day with your dad when he was younger and could grasp yeah. the like the yeah. way that technology has made this sport so much better in communicating with people all over the world and being able to have this community be more than just the people you go race with on the weekend. It's yeah. So my dad of uh, thirty years ago, yeah. right now, would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be because without him, I wouldn't be where even the start of it. Like he he hasn't gone out with me that much. But he was the one taking me out in his car, cruising the boulevard when I was eight, ten years old, that sparked this interest in this sport that's carried me this far, you know. So so that's Yeah, nice. Bill Bill, if you haven't seen the video where Tony takes his dad out, it's an awesome video. Okay. And I'll Tony have to gets, watch that. gets the throttle a bit and yeah, you were just asking him the question. It was that was a very cool video. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check All it right, out. All right, Tess. Man, I still don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's okay. Gosh, it's, it's terrible. I mean, obviously, my dad too. My dad passed about almost five years ago now, so he never really saw my black car to the potential that it was at. But oh, I don't want to get sad. <laughs> but yeah, having my dad, he never got to really see me race, but having him be able to come and see like where how far I got and what we're doing that'd be cool 
That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. We're going to bang her into fourth. We're flying through the eighth mile. Um, <laughs> hopefully the wheels are still on the ground. <laughs> um, what influences you to build your cars? Going faster, adrenaline. <laughs> um, it's funny because with my stick shift car now, I just wanted a fun street car that I could take to the track and go tens, that I could drive to the track, go tens, and then drive home. But now that I've gone to the track, gone tens, I kind of, I kind of want to go nines now. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> yeah. I, there's always this thing in my brain of like, if you do, just if you just do this little bit, you can maybe go this, this fast, or if you just just put a little more effort into it doing this, you can go, it's just, it's a never ending thing. And I don't know what it is that keeps my brain pushing to spend more money and have more sleepless nights and just torture myself just to, you know, spend 10 seconds on a track to go faster. But it, <laughs> yes. there. I mean, the goal is to spend more money to spend less time in your car, unless you're doing a drag week, because then you spend a lot more time in it. But uh, like the radio cars or, her black car and my my snowflake like you're spending a lot more money to decrease the time you spend in it going down the track that's basically the goal right so it seems kind of kind of weird but yeah it's it's the adrenaline it's the adrenaline thing you know when when you make a good pass or you have the camaraderie of your friends with you and you meeting new people that maybe you're teaching them something or influencing somebody else or they're teaching you something you know and that's how you get better at stuff by just being around people that are great people and you just absorb it and move on. Yeah. I, when Bill, uh, I think it was race week last year, lots of trials and tribulation to get there. And then Bill and I made a side-by-side -side pass parachutes out. They had a picture of it at the end. It was like, yeah, baby, <laughs> it's all worth it. But like that was so worth it just to, oh, yeah. uh, just, totally just to race him and be so close together and uh yeah you're yeah your heart pumping at the end or, yeah, yeah one, I, one moment like that makes you forget about all the terrible stuff you went yes. through yeah, bleeding yes, buckles and we're yeah. still waiting to do side-by-side -side eights and it's gonna happen this year for sure uh, and we we may be there to watch it yes 2.0 for sure well it might yeah. be in june yeah but they'll, they'll do it again yeah. Well, rich, rich yeah rich no, can't I'm make not... the june one okay so it might be 2.0 yeah, yeah i work at a petrochemical plant and we have a uh the plant that i'm responsible for we have a huge turnaround for like 40 days so i'm uh <clears throat> i'm gonna do the canadian one called miles of mayhem and then the next one will be uh, uh race week 2.0 yeah all right so now we've come off the track and we're gonna go down the highway and slide this thing into fifth gear what, in your opinion, is the secret to stick shift racing? Timing. Okay. Patience. Yeah. Ah, excellent. Patience hey. to learn the right timing. Patience. <laughs> Hand-eye coordination. Hand-eye foot coordination. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to explain to her. Like, everybody that's good, I'm sure you guys have your own style or, I don't know, I, I just... When I shift, I I just lift. I lift off the gas a little bit. Like I lift, and as I'm lifting, I'm pulling it out of gear already before the clutch is even in. 
And as the clutch is going in, I'm, I'm like passing through neutral and then the clutch is in and I'm already, it's, I don't know, that's the best. It's hard to explain it, but I do lift a little bit. I don't keep it matted. But it's, yeah. it's got, like just to take the edge off the sinkers because like I was telling her, I was showing her in her car, like if you rev the car out and you pull, put pressure on, it'll hold it in to a certain yeah. point to everything relaxes, then it, you can take it right out of gear. So I said, if you lift a little bit, well, she's lifting all the way, but lift a little bit. Just, I mean, I don't, if I had a TPS, uh, you know, sensor, like Rich, Rich does, <laughs> probably, maybe I'm lifting a lot more than I do. Maybe I'm just lying to you, but uh, I would say it's, seven, it's a 70 percenter, uh, probably a 70 percenter. Um, Clicking the next gear, obviously on a face plated trans, I, I'm probably a little less lifting a little bit on a synchronized trans. I have my own little style. So I just, yeah. I teach her that. I I taught one of my other friends that was pretty good at it at a young age. And uh, he he never drives a stick shift anymore now. He's all automatic. But um, this is different styles, but uh, patience is definitely a thing. Or strength. Right. One of the biggest problems I'm having right now is I'm I'm very weak and like I don't have all the strength to get it into second as fast as possible when you know when I when it's launching hard and leaving really hard and there's a lot of pressure on it getting into second has been hard for me so mm. I think I just I need to get stronger. I have to put a um a couple of rubber bands in the car so while you're it can be like uh, over the top. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you're driving down the street, just keep on doing this yeah. exercise. Yeah. No, that's why I'm worn out. It's pulling back. That's good. so. I we have a we have a dumbbell in the house, and every morning I do workouts. I'm like a little bit stronger nice. there. Hopefully, nice. it'll it'll work eventually. Uh, I do have a question. So, I'm not really familiar with your guys' both combinations. So, real quick. Rich and real quick, Bill, like just go over your combos and power out real fast. I just, I'm curious. Yeah. So mine's a 521 cubic inch Pontiac um, with a 94 millimeter turbo. Yeah, buddy. <clears throat> so it, yeah, it made 1485 horsepower at, to the wheels at 16 and a half pounds of boost. Um, and so I was running about 14 at sick week and I didn't turn it up all the way, but it's going to happen when I'm racing Bill. Um, <laughs> and then uh, uh, it's got a brow bell housing with a 11 inch next gen adjustable clutch. And then it's a both Bill and I are running T56 Magnums from G-Force. Um, so they're face, yeah, face, face plated uh, first through fourth, fifth and sixth are synchronized. Sixth gear is 0.5, and I run a 350 rear gear. So when I was driving out of Sick Week, it's got a 29-inch tall tire, so 1,650 RPM is uh, 80 miles an hour. Yeah, just oh cruising. That's just cruising, yeah. <laughs> I and, then, and then my, my shifting strategy is a little different than Bill's. I have a shift cut knob on mine now. Oh. <laughs> so if, if I push or pull... It's got micro switches in there. It's just got two wires that come out of it. And I have it set up in, in my uh, transmission. So I can shift it whenever. Well, I, I have it set so it's over 6,000 RPM. And so when I'm in first gear, I launch with my hands on the wheel. 
Um, try to keep my hand right off the shifter. Uh, shifted about seven grand. I just reached down. And when I pull the shift knob, it cuts ignition. And I leave my foot right flat on the floor. It cuts it for 0.12 of a second, goes into the next gear. And then I get 0.5 of a second to get my hand off the shifter or it'll activate again. <clears throat> and then seven grand. And then basically when I push, same thing, it cuts ignition and fuel for 0.12 of a second. And yeah, so that allows it to come in and out of gear that it cuts it. So it basically takes the load off everything, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, like me lifting that thirty percent is basically so that's the cat's meow right there. Yeah, it it, yep. it was seven miles an hour difference in the eighth when I started clutchless shifting. <laughs> now I was doing the same, like I was letting off the gas, I wasn't flat footing it, but it made it was a game changer for this pork. And my car is it's pretty much forty one hundred pounds race weight. You know, coming off the end of the track. So mine's a small block Ford, uh, dart based 427 Windsor. Yep, 427 Windsor with twin Garrett's on it. Um, they're little baby turbos. They're like 62s, um, with uh, full exhaust out the back, dual three and a half inch exhaust out the back. Um, Holly Dominator EFI. Uh, same G-Force T56 Magnum, same fifth, sixth gear as Rich. Um, I run the Ram twin centered iron disc diaphragm style clutch with a Bankshift Billy digital clutch controller and a 370 ring. And it's 3,700 pounds. All block four. But you've been faster than his bigger inch. Uh, oh, so can you say that a little louder? <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> not not by much. Faster. Yeah, it's. I mean, what is your what is your car weigh, Bill? Well, it is a little lighter. It's thirty seven hundred pounds. Um, I've been eight seventy at one sixty five, and Rich has been eight seventy five. So, yeah, it, we're both right there. Like it's it's a fight, man. We love each other, but we get to the track, we get behind the wheel. Yeah, it's not nice. Man. What uh, <laughs> what cylinder heads are on yours, Bill? <clears throat> Well, there are 69 351 Windsor heads. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was going uh, to call it bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I have a uh, trick flow high port 240s on there. They're prepped by TEA. Yeah. But I do have a hydraulic roller cam in it. Yeah. I used to have a solid and I have a little uh, a much friendlier hydraulic roller. makes the same same amount of power. Still is happy at 7,500 if I need to be. 100%. Yeah, I mean... Her uh, her black car motor was nothing that special. It was just strong to handle boost, but go ahead. Yeah, it was dark block three sixty three. It had two forties on it too. It just put a bunch of boost to it. Thirty seven pounds with F one X dash twelve. Yeah, and I've only that my motor's only seen twenty pounds of boost. Yeah, um, but oh, you're, you're good. You pencil you pencil it out uh, to trap one sixty five. It's a little north of thirteen hundred tire at around 20 pounds of boost. Um, and honestly, in, in Colorado, um, the top of each gear, the boost is nosing over because it just doesn't have enough turbo. But at sea level, it there's enough air that it's like perfect. And they spool super fast. Like oh, I can imagine. And honestly, I don't need to put bigger turbos on it because I'm not going to put anything more than an 850 cage in it. Because um, the 750 cage isn't a streetcar cage. I'm not going to want to drive it when I got to climb in that freaking jungle gym to get in and 
you know, I take the door bars out and I still have bench seats in it front and rear and just driving on the street. It's a lot of fun. So. The, her, her black car would make 37 to 40 pounds in 0.8 seconds. Wow. That's wow. kind of car too, though. Like you're I mean, trying to throw everything at it as quickly as you can to try and get it there quicker. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, even that car before we put the F1X deck, dash 12 on it we had um a ysib on it and it did the same thing we were over spinning the crap out of that blower and it like it boost would come up to like 22 pounds and then drop down to like 19 before the ship so it was it was definitely not adequate but here's a fun fact for you that uh you guys will appreciate so my car traps the best mile an hour in bandamere because I'm not using all my turbo. I have a whole bunch of turbo left and the air yeah. is so thin there that my brick um, that slices <laughs> through it. And because I can make just as much power, but there's just not the air resistance there. You're not and, leaning on it at the other yeah. track. Yeah. Her, uh, yeah. In the radial world, like, you know, she's, like I said, or she said, she's leaning on that car every, every pass where more timing, more. I mean, it's making max boost, and we were overspinning that blower. But her car on a on a good pass would trap an eighth of one sixty, one sixty one, in that car. So it was it was pretty fast. Yeah. Nice. Well, why don't we bypass six gear? Because I think his answer at the beginning pretty much described what advice would you give? Don't tell them anything. Let them yeah. let them learn all by themselves. Our last question was. <laughs> What advice would you give somebody getting into stick shift racing? Uh, yeah. Don't get taught by Tony or, or get yeah. taught by Tony? <laughs> uh, don't get taught by Tony if you have a very small budget and you don't okay. want to break anything. Okay. So, okay, I had to try and do a different tactic than I told, than I taught my friend. So my friend, he was, he... Uh, he's my my little buddy. He's like my little brother, but he was my friend's. So, uh, he was my friend's younger brother, and he'd always want to come hang out. And he was 16, and he wanted to learn how to drive a stick shift. His, his brother had Mustangs, and we go street racing and stuff. And he wanted to learn. And how I taught him, I'd sit in the passenger seat. We we were driving like a stockish GT Mustang, so we go high 13s on <laughs> on the motor, and it had a little bit of nitrous and went 12s. And I'd sit there and he would make a pass and I'd sock him in his arm and I'd say, stop, do it faster. And he'd stop and he's like, ah, and he'd stop and, and he'd go through the gears and we'd do this every Friday or Saturday night. Like they'd come into town and we'd go out and, <laughs> and I'd, time to learn again. Did you learn? Did you practice? Yeah, I practiced. And he'd, we'd go out again, sock him. <laughs> stop, do it faster. You're not fast enough yet. And he's like, Jesus, I thought I was faster. And I can't, do that tactic with her so he's watched some of our <laughs> videos and he's like why aren't you teaching her how you taught me and I'm, like, I'm not gonna sock her and he's like ah that's why she's not learning fast enough oh, <laughs> man. Don't, don't let tony teach you how to drive a stick shift because he doesn't have good tactics <laughs> you should have a t-shirt that says don't let tony teach yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah well, tony can do but he can't teach so yeah so you guys this has been awesome like i've learned a ton it's been a pleasure to meet you this way um 
let me let me throw out a huge thanks to Six Shift Nation and of course Travis Foster in the background who's going to make this thing make us all look awesome. Um and uh for hosting the podcast and you can find Clutch Burners podcast on 10 different platforms so YouTube being one and then basically all the other audio versions of it that you can find and if you'd like to see this podcast continue and grow head over to stickracing.com grab a stick shift nation shirt hat or sticker and of course you can get clutch burners uh shirts as well um so yeah that's it we we really really appreciate you guys and thank you so much and before we cut it off tony and tess tell uh, give your sponsors oh, a shout. Yes, yes, you guys have some awesome sponsors. Yeah, we have a we have quite a bit. So I'll say a couple. You say a couple. So Pro Charger, Pro Charger, Nitrous Express, Aeromotive, uh, Vibrant, Red Horse, Team Z, Team Z, Team Z, the one that made all the magic happen in that car. Oh, ACT, ACT, Clutch, um, F FST yeah. Carburetor. Yeah, they're all. Already said all those. Uh, trick flow. Right. Uh, we trick just flow, yeah, we just, just came on. Yeah, just came on with trick flow. Uh, Texas speed. I mean, we with all the, all these we wouldn't have the pleasure of having all the cars if we didn't have these companies that uh, that we could represent. It's not what they basically do for us. It's how we can represent them to show people that uh, their products work, and we're proud to be a part of their uh, company. And hopefully we represent them. Well, I know there's some mixed emotions with ACT or because we go through their clutches. But, hey, if you're not breaking shit, you're not trying hard enough. That's just That's plain right. That's right. Uh, ACT is definitely, I mean, just because I go through clutches doesn't mean that they're a bad company. But they support us in every crazy idea that we have with clutches. And they'll build us whatever we tell them to without... You know, telling us we shouldn't, even though it's a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but they're they're so easy to work with. Yeah, my my buddy John over there. I'm not sure who you're speaking with uh, over there, but John is is uh, our guy. Uh, we know Eric and the owner too, uh, Dirk. But uh, John is the one I talk to the most, and he's the one who one of the times we uh, went. He had us coming on a Saturday, and we that was one of our videos. We went on a Saturday and changed the clutch, and on her lift. Seen that one. Yeah. And uh, we went through everything, and he redid stuff, and we put a little bit more stouter pressure plate in it, and off we went. And that one lasted well on YouTube land. It only looked like we made three passes in it or one, but in, in reality, we made. I think that one had forty passes on it in, bar, in burnouts, and and in, in, in about a month time. <clears throat> nice, nice. Right, and, and and a new driver, which which yeah, it's kind of hard. Like I said, if you're not. If you're not put, if you're in this sport and you want to excel, you're going to break shit no matter what. You're going to burn pistons. You're going to blow head gaskets. You're going to break clutches if you're into stick shifts. You're going to break ring gears. You're going to break U joints. You're going <laughs> to twist a tail shaft out. You're going to twist splines out of your transmission. You're going to break shifters. It's I, we're you've done it. I've done it. These people that comment don't understand uh, that their 13 second car has the same clutch in it for for five years because they've only been to the track once and he went 1350 in the on radials and he went home. Whereas yeah. we're, you're out putting thousands of miles and going eights with your guys and stuff. And we're not to that level yet, but she's going to eventually be with it, you know, faster with this car and I'm going to build another car and I'm going to break a ton of shit. You know, the only thing I probably won't break is the motor and she won't break the motor, but everything around it's going to have its abuse, you know, 
Yeah. yeah. If you're not learning from those mistakes and what you're breaking, you know, if we broke the 2,400 pound base clutch and we put another 2,400 pound in there, it probably wasn't going to last that long. That's why we changed stuff around and she trained, she learned and changed her driving style a little bit. And I knew this all was going to happen. It's just hard for people to understand it, you know, and yep. hopefully this podcast, people listen to it and understand and, and uh, understand how it sticks of driving is an art and it's a talent. And uh, if you can do it and do it well, you're going to break shit. And, but people will look at you different because it's something that they probably can't do. <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah. put. Very well put. Yep. <clears throat> well, thank you guys so much. Stick around for a second, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up. Yes. Thanks again for all your time, but don't go ahead. Thank you guys for having us. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank You're you. welcome.